Hello again, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Political Beats, a presentation of National Review. You can find us on Twitter at political underscore beats uh, or on Facebook as well. Subscribe to our feed for new episodes. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or go right to nationalreview.com and click on podcasts there. Find all the fine NR podcasts, including ours. Listen. Leave reviews when possible, too, to help other people find the show. And if you really love us, well, check us out over at patreon.com slash politicalbeats, where you can support us, help the show stay ad-free, as it is right now. We have our entry level for general support and some voting privileges uh, from time to time, mid-level for early access to new episodes and at a higher audio quality, and our upper-level bestest friends for early access, the higher audio quality, monthly exclusive content shows, remastered episodes, playlists to use, and more. All that at patreon.com slash political beats. Before we get going, one note, National Review is running a podcast survey right now. They'd like your comments and insights. Nationalreview.com slash survey. Nationalreview.com slash survey. It's the stuff you think might be there. The podcast you listen to, how often, where do you listen to them? How do you access them? Stuff like that. Uh, National Review looking for your help at nationalreview.com slash survey for their podcast survey happening right now. My name is Scott Bertram. You can find me on Twitter at Scott Bertram. My tag team partner standing by, as always, Jeff Blair. Jeff, how are you? Well, I mean, actually, I've been having no luck at all with these banjos and these fiddles, so I'm going to set them aside now, and I'm about to break out the effects pedal and the synthesizers. <laughs> you got the dobro handy. Hopefully. Yes, I've got, oh, you know, no matter what it is I'm playing, I'm always going to put a dobro on it. Uh, at Esoteric CD on Twitter for Jeff. And our guest on today's program, uh, he wrote the sort of best-selling book, The Molecule of More. He teaches writing at Georgetown University. Mostly, though, he writes things for other people to put their name on or, or say, speech writing. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Writes. He's Mike Long. Mike, how are you? Hey, I'm fine. How are you guys? Doing very well. We appreciate you jumping on uh, your debut here on Political Beats. And before we get to our, our featured artists today, we want you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you've done. Sure. Well, what you just said covers it pretty well. I'm the uh, son of a country preacher from the rural south, uh, uh, written a little bit for NR uh, back when NRO was just getting launched uh it was uh, pretty much uh jonah goldberg and me and and catherine uh lopez kate Kalo. uh and that was a while back i was trained as a physicist actually and spent a decade writing code and doing stand-up quite a combination uh in the mid-90s i switched careers ended up writing uh speeches moved from nashville to dc wrote speeches for senator fred thompson from from tennessee uh these days i uh as you said i write speeches i teach at georgetown i teach seminars and uh i'm i'm lucky to get to write for a living because uh, it's uh it's, it's not the easiest way to make a living but it's worked out so lucky me try podcasting if you want a <laughs> tough way to make a living or or being an artist being a musical artist like our like our our featured artist today uh, this is almost certainly uh our, our most obscure artist that we featured on political beats it is Cards on the Table, of course, one of my very favorite artists anywhere, anytime. I thought we would never find someone to, to do this uh, artist with us. Lo and behold, though, through our mutual friend John J. Miller here at Hillsdale College, I found out that Mike Long 
is a massive fan, at least as big of a fan, maybe even bigger, of Robbie Folks than even I am. And he is our featured artist today, Robbie Folks. Mike, we turn the floor back over to you. Uh, tell us uh, how, how you found out about Robbie Folks. Uh, give people a little bit of background, why he matters and why other people should care about this music we're going to talk about today. Well, there are a lot of different places I can jump in on this, but I'll start like this. As I recall, and, and I, I won't say Robbie's a close friend. I'll say he's an acquaintance. How about that? When he's in town, we, we, we'll get a beer. We'll, we'll sit down and talk, and, and we've, uh, we've, we, we swap emails on occasion. Uh, as I recall, I had, uh, I had come across some Robbie Folk's music just in those days in the, in the 90s, early 2000s, when you would do a search on, uh, what was that thing? Not LimeWire. Uh, Napster. Uh, Audio Napster, Galaxy. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I'm almost certain I found it on Napster. And, and of course, I don't. Are, are you admitting to committing a federal <laughs> crime on a podcast? Well, actually, what I did was I listened. I did not download. <laughs> sure. Ah, yes. You're very, very careful. I'm glad. He, I'm glad to he didn't you. inhale. That's the exactly. point to remember here. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Please continue, Mike. Oh, I'm glad to. Glad to. So I, I discovered this stuff, and the song I think I first heard from him was a, a song I hope we get to talk about today. She took a lot of pills and died. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe anybody could be this smart and this funny at the same time. Well, with her bed looks and her little girl charm, everybody thought she'd go far. And at 20 years old, she was rich as could be and a world-famed Hollywood star. With the big parts coming and the sweethearts too, life was a hell of a ride. But her star soon fell and her body got old, so she took a lot of pills and died. Well, she took a lot of pills and died. Took a lot of pills and died. Her star soon fell and her body got old, so she took a lot of pills and died. While the traffic crawled by in the street outside. I, I was writing at NR, as I said, and I got an email and... Um, and it just said, is, is this the, uh, oh, I'd written, I'd written Robbie just a little note, didn't know who he was. And I got a note back and he says, is this the Mike Long from National Review? He knew me when I wrote him. <laughs> and so we, we started exchanging notes and he said, I'm going to be in Washington to play here pretty soon. Why don't we get together for lunch? We met. He, in fact, I, I'd just taken up guitar at the time and he showed me his, his new guitar and we looked at that and we had lunch. And that's, that's how it kicked off is, uh, I liked his stuff. He had read some of my stuff. I'm not going to go so far to say that he liked it. I'll say that he was aware of it. And that's how we met. Uh, all right. So this is entirely new to Jeff. And I'm interested to see uh, what he thinks and where he comes down on so much of the material we're going to cover today. Any initial thoughts or things to kick us off here with uh, Jeff? Oh, you want you want to go through? I can this go time. there. You want me to go? I, I, I go. No, 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 no. I see a man okay. on a mission. I see a man with a name. I can respect that. No, no. I, I, I will then. You know, you you basically gave this away. Every now and then, we'll have a show where one or the other of us comes to an artist completely fresh, right? And not even sometimes. In fact, it, it's down to like not even having heard the name of the band that famously happened to me once with old 97s um where you know i never even, i didn't know of them much less know their music and then i exited just the world's biggest old 97s fan it was a wonderful experience having something very similar happening today here with robbie folks who similarly this this whole no depression scene i was never really into 
this whole alt country scene. It was something I was sort of aware of out of the corner of my ears, you know, when I was younger. Um, but I didn't really know it uh, except through just through some of the more famous ones who broke out, like Wilco or Ryan Adams, things like that. Um, this is uh, fascinating and magnificent music, and yet I completely understand why he would write a song near uh, uh, the end of or near near the end of you know the period we're covering here called "Check Out My Career." Which is basically saying, you know, I think the, the thrust of it is basically saying, well, it's no secret why I never made it big. Your boss is a biatch. My promoter's the same. When I wake up in the morning, I won't remember his name. I'll be tearing down the two lane. And you still be stuck right. Because a guy like this was never going to make it big. He almost feels like he's too big in some ways for country. He starts from country and he comes from an alt-country background, sure. But like the second he gets the chance, his first album isn't even over before he's throwing out rockist moves. Not just country rock, but rock. He's starting to move into different genres. You know, by the time he makes you know, Let's Kill Saturday Night, that's where you know, there's barely any country on some of that. Some of it sounds alarmingly close to 38 Special, in fact. Um, but then, you know, he can go dive into, like, random times he can pastiche heavy metal or, like, any kind of music, basically, he sets his mind to. So I guess the, the way I would characterize him, the, the person he reminds me the most of, and I find this music so fascinating, I'm really enjoying it, is he reminds me of the Elvis Costello of country music. That's the closest analogy I can uh, and I think of you know the way you know Elvis obviously came out of like the punk new wave scene in England in the 1970s, but it was immediately apparent that he was far more uh, you know ambitious than that, and he was a restless soul musically, and he wanted to cover Burt Bacharach songs and write <laughs> jazz music and do you know chamber pop and stuff like that, as when you know do really slick commercial stuff too, as well as what you know. And he didn't just want to dance with what brought him. You know, he didn't want to just be playing like, you know, edgy, aggressive post-punk music for the rest of his career. No. And that's Robbie Fulks. And that's exactly what I think of when I think of a guy who's already trying to leave sort of more straight, straightened and straight-jacketed country music behind immediately. And uh, because of that... I do sometimes have difficulty kind of locating him in a musical tradition. I hear some of the songs on, like, one of his best albums, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it later on in this show, uh, is a fantastic record, but I, when I think of it, I certainly don't think of country. I don't think, certainly, it's no more country to me than Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is mm. country rock, right? Neither of them are, and the, both of them are associated with that genre. And that's the kind of distance he was capable of migrating away from. Even though to this day he can still put out, you know, very straight ahead country rock music. He's just a really fascinating character. And I know, Scott, you've been a fan of his forever, and you are a Chicago local, just like he is. And I, I am not a I wasn't born here, but I am now a Chicago native. So we've got a lot of Chicagoans around the table here discussing Chicagoans. 
Yeah, uh, although Robbie, of course, grew up in the South. In North, in Car- North, North Carolina. Carolina and and right. now he's out yeah. in California because his, his wife is a well-in-demand voice uh, artist, voice talent in uh, in in uh, California so he spends oh. most of his time out there now but lived in Chicago like like, like voiceovers like like yeah. doing like cartoon stuff huh, uh, she does uh, the the thing that people might recognize her most is i think she does most of the Jimmy Kimmel voiceover on like the produced bits that Kimmel huh. does it's it's a lot of her voice she's on commercials and all sorts of stuff well now um, i'm going to have to check it out and she, she was thinks, Oprah's announcer for a long long time yeah and she does backup on some of his records too so you probably have heard her voice somewhere you may you might have heard Donna Folks's voice uh, and not Robbie Folks's voice at some point if you're if you're new to all In fact, this. It's almost certainly true. Yeah. That's actually hilarious. Yeah. All right. So Scott, you tell us. So I Robbie Folks is just an incredibly important artist in my musical life. Um we might do a a uh, exclusive content show at some point in the future. Uh like the, the the 10 albums that most influenced our musical tastes, right? Open doors, made us aware of things that were happening out in the world. And uh, one of Robbie's albums would definitely be on that list for me. I was first exposed to him as a freshman in college, working at the radio station, and we would get, you know, dozens and dozens of CDs sent to us uh, daily, really daily. And so part of the tasks for uh, new volunteers at the station was to listen through these albums and find out which ones were worth playing. Uh, you know. How did you divide them up? A Did random you decide, like which one would like like a certain genre. Totally randomly. No, I got really? stuff that I knew I would hate. I got the Kid Rock album, the Devil Without oh, a Cause, and I hated it. And I was well, I still might hate it, but I was wrong about its commercial possibilities. I got the Limp Biscuit album when that first came out, hated it, and <laughs> again was wrong about its commercial viability. This will um, never sell. I got I got an album from John P. Strom, who was in the Blake Babies, and it was great, and of course it didn't sell. And that's one of the lessons actually from this, because I got I got Robbie Folks. I got his album in one of the stacks of CDs. And it was Let's Kill Saturday Night. And so that album is my introduction to Robbie Folks. And it taught me a couple of things. One is it taught me that you could find great music on your own, right? That there was always sort of this amazing music to be discovered out there if you're looking hard enough. Um, after I listened to it and loved it, it taught me it's not just about skill and and great songs that make someone get on the radio, right? Because if that were the case, then Robbie would be a, a, a megastar. There are so many variables, and there's so much great music that, of course, is never found by radio stations and then pro- by proxy by other people out there. So sometimes you have to be an evangelist, and that's what this show hopefully will be for Robbie Folks's music. <laughs>
circle back to that in a second, but I wanted Jeff to go first, mainly because I didn't want to steal his Elvis Costello comparison. And it's not direct, but what I would say is this, you know, much like Elvis, Robbie has these passionate, devoted fans. And because his tastes sort of pinball off the walls from time to time, you, you have to be along for the ride. It's all really good, but nothing can be pigeonholed from one album to the next necessarily, in certain portions of his career. And so you just sort of trust him. You trust the artist that he's going to produce quality material, that his writing's going to be sharp, and you're not let down. You, it, 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 everything that he has produced, I love, uh, from, from, from the start of his career to his most recent releases. Uh, being a Chicago guy, I've seen him live numerous times, sometimes extremely small venues, uh, I'll talk a bit more about that as we get through uh, through the uh, through the show. Something else that that through Robbie uh, again, this is the, where the influence comes in. How much he loves the music he loves, and also wants to introduce you to it, and, and that is in his choice of covers, certainly, uh, but also in the projects he takes on. You know, he, he produced an entire tribute record to Johnny Paycheck. Uh, he has an amazing story about working with George Jones that I won't spoil because I think that essay is still available. He did available. a whole like surprise album with the Mekons, yeah. and it's actually pretty good. I looked it up. It's he, a pretty good record. You know, much like we did with Michael Jackson on this show with Daniel Galata not that long ago, he has a tribute album for uh, to Michael Jackson, a Michael Jackson tribute album in which he, he it is just trying to take the music on its face, right, a right. And, and leave behind the stories and the allegations. What what does this music tell us? Is it is it good? Can I how can I arrange it differently? How can I make you experience this music in a different way? And those classic country artists that he loves and he has highlighted through his career. That was my entry to that style of music. I grew up thinking all country music was was essentially, you know, the eighties pop country sort of music, which I still this, despise. This this was your entry to that. To the classic country? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Robbie was my well, doorway no to all of that classic country, Gene Shepard and, and uh, Frankie Miller and all those guys from the 50s and, and, and 60s. And he's just, he is an, he's, he's an amazingly uh, talented musician, guitar player. He's gotten better vocally through the years, especially on this most, these most recent albums. He's an incredible writer. These songs have twists and turns in the wordplay, much in the way that Elvis also would sort of play with words and what fits well in certain lines. And his essays are tremendous, too. I don't know how many are still available on his website or elsewhere. He's written things about Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. He's written things about Gordon Lightfoot. He's written things about his, again, working with George Jones, which is hilarious. He's written things uh, about Bob Dylan, and he had this project that I don't even know if we'll get to because I've never heard it. It's you know, it's a vinyl-only reinterpretation of Bob Dylan's Street Legal album, which is one of my favorite Dylan albums, actually, but I still have not heard it. He just does these interesting things. And, and and knows a lot about a lot and pours it all into his writing and music, um, which probably start I suppose I, I will just say again I am I am beyond thrilled to find uh, Mike uh, as a guest I'm beyond thrilled to introduce Jeff to this music and hopefully a whole bunch of our listeners as well because a world in which Robbie Folks is less known than so many other artists is not a world worth living you need to discover and and seek out this music. So where do we start? You, I assume, 
are going to ask me to do the big biographical no. rundown. As the Robbie Folks expert on the show, no, obviously you you're the one to tell us. I mean, I. By the way, some of the things about his biography, I I did this thing. You know, when, when I'm being introduced to a musician, an artist that I've never heard before, I usually just take the music as a thing without looking up anything about it at all for the first time I can. I just want to hear the music. I don't want to be distracted with the details of like it was recorded when and here are the stories behind the songs. And the first thing I could figure out from listening to Robbie Folks was this is a college kid. You could tell immediately from listening to this music that this guy had a very educated and acerbic wit. And then what did I do? What did I, I look it up. Yeah, Columbia University. Columbia. Yep, Columbia yeah. in New York. I think his first path out of North Carolina was attending uh, school in New York City. But yes, born in the South, born in uh, uh, Creedmoor, North Carolina is when he grew up and started playing music at a young age. His dad gave him a banjo when he was very young. His dad was a, not a professional, I don't think, but, but a folk singer down there. Went up to North, uh, not to North Carolina, went up to New York City at Columbia University. And uh, by the time he left, it had gotten pretty good. And there's, there's this band out of Chicago called Special Consensus. They're a bluegrass band. And actually, there's a track of theirs on his very best of album, which is not a best of album. We'll talk about that in, in the future. Uh, but there's a special consensus track. These guys were all, you know, like ace bluegrass musicians. And he worked tirelessly to get a spot uh, in, in special consensus and finally did in 1987. By that point, he was already teaching music at the uh, at the historic, uh, well-known Old Town School of Folk Music in Chicago. He was teaching others to play, to write. And he got this opportunity to play in special consensus bluegrass in 1987. Two and a half years on the road with special consensus, and uh, and then quit. It was he called it just a grueling way to live, right? To be touring at all times, and essentially left because he thought he had hit his ceiling. I, I read a quote. He said, "I left because essentially there were no other more famous bluegrass bands who were calling to get me to play for them. Like there was no, there was no step up. There was nowhere to go at that point." So we got back to Chicago, and still wanted to play, and still wanted to be on the stage, and put together this. Um, monthly review at a place called Deja Vu in Chicago and just played anything and everything. You know, uh, the band was was rough and they never rehearsed essentially, but they got together and they played and they did half their half stuff they wanted, half stuff from the audience, interaction. Robbie's a great live artist because he knows how to play with an audience and talk to an audience and tell stories during his show. And uh, it was called the Trailer Trash Review and it went on for quite a while. After that, he started writing some things and performing with a guy named Jim Dewan, who also was a uh, teacher at the Old Town School of Folk Music, and he would cover a Jim Dewan song later on, and Dewan would play on a lot of his albums in the future as well. And it was Dewan who told Robbie, hey, you know, you're a pretty good writer. You should head down to Nashville and try to go make some money, sell your songs. That didn't work, as a well-documented song from Southmouth would, uh, would tell us later on. And so after a, 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 uh, you know, a couple of years trying to sell his songs and trying to make it in, in Nashville, back to Chicago he came. And this is when we have to talk about this, this label, Bloodshot Records, out of Chicago. And Bloodshot was, if you're on Bloodshot, you know what you're supposed to sound like, right? It's like Sub Pop um, or Alligator. Uh, if you're on Bloodshot, you were part of this alternative alt-country movement of the mid-90s. And the very first thing they put out was this compilation album called For the Life of Sin, For a Life of Sin. 
And on there was a song from Robbie Folks, who they tracked down and got to sing called Cigarette States. North Carolina is a cigarette state. And still one of his, I think, better known tracks because it's on the compilation. He's played it live over and over again. I took up with pretty things in Nashville. I loved her more alive than I told her so. And she took it between her fingers nice and natural. And sucked it to the filter like a pro. So I gave her a ring from her paw. I swiped her. But she gave me a boy. And that is what essentially launched his career, was this song called Cigarette State on this bloodshot compilation for A Life of Sin. And uh, at that point, they said, well, you know, I don't know. Robbie's great, but I don't know anyone else who would put out an album from him because he's just not pigeonholed in one of these specific sort of genres. So I guess we'll do it. And Bloodshot stepped forward and said, you know, let's do an album. Let's do an album. And Robbie had known a guy who was referenced in our Nirvana show and other shows and will be referenced here a few times, Steve Albini from Chicago. This this guy who had a band called Big Black and Shellac and was like noise, abrasive, uh, rock, hard music. Doomcore. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, if you've ever heard Big Black songs about, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's for another show. Uh, but a, a, an odd couple, to say the least. But they work so well together. Albini knows how to produce Robbie Folks's music uh, on that They're first nerds. album. I mean, they both have that, that, that yes. kind of like intellectualized yeah. approach. They're nerds. And, and so that leads us to, uh, to, to his solo career beginning. And, and, and Jeff and I have, have monopolized the conversation here for long enough. So we'll bring back in Mike Long, a Robbie Folks fan and guest on today's program, to sort of introduce us and slide us into... The beginning of Robbie Folks' solo career, Mike. Well, you know, there, there's there's so much you said in there that I that I want to react to, but I want to start with this: the thing you came back around to. The reason he is not on the lips of every intellectual and everybody who loves music is just what you said. You can't categorize him. That's the problem with with this kind of business, with any kind of entertainment business. If you don't have one thing that you do and you beat it to death, you're not going to get any coverage. So here he is. He can do the he can do rock and roll. He can do country. He can do bluegrass. He can play anything, and and is he's interested in all these different things. And as a result, where do you put him? What what do you do? So it's hard to it's hard to draw him in. Uh, now you mentioned you mentioned the Geffen record. Let's kill Saturday night. That that record, I can tell you, you, you may know this. That that's probably his least favorite record of all the records he made <laughs> because it was the least like him. Yeah, uh, he had the least input on it, and a lot of pushback on it. In fact, the, if you look at the cover of this record, he's standing there in a white shirt with a with a black tie that's loose around his neck, and he looks uncomfortable. And I think that that sort he's, of captures he's the whole thing. Literally in handcuffs on the inside of that album. Uh, you yes. know, on the liner notes, they have him in yes. handcuffs. Yes, he he doesn't he doesn't like the record that much. I can tell you, uh, and it's it's not what he wanted to do. Uh, so so they were trying to make something out of him that that he wasn't. 
Uh, and 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 so you end up with this record. Now it's a good record. I think it's a great record, but it's not as great as the one that came before Southmouth. It's not as great as the very best record, two th- very best of Robbie Falk. As you say, not a greatest hits thing. Another ironic thing. <laughs> and that's the problem. That's the wonderful problem. What do you do with a problem like Robbie Falk's when when the guy puts out a record called the very best of Robbie Falk's, which isn't a greatest hits compilation? <laughs> you know, well, how do you how do you deal with a guy like this? Uh, he uh let's see this what i made a little note here his his stuff on the very best is this collection of one-offs it's all different kinds of styles and none of it you've ever heard before it was almost like a collection of b-sides and that's the best way i think to approach robbie folks i remember a few years ago i thought how come i don't know anything about neil young and it was because all of this stuff covered so many different uh, genres, and that's the thing with Robbie. Now, I wouldn't well, it's also because you didn't listen to our three-part Neil Young <laughs> podcast that we did very recently. Yeah, all eleven hours of it. Yes, uh, it's also because most of Neil Young stuff is crap. No, but... <laughs> <laughs> I discovered once I got into it. But anyway, I, I, when 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 Robbie when Robbie writes something, he writes what he wants to write, and and it's it's it is very intellectualized at times in the very best way. Now, I want to say that we keep coming back to Columbia. He didn't finish Columbia. I think he attended two semesters, maybe. Um, R- Robbie is by and large uh, an autodidact. Uh, he reads widely. He's he's one of those freaks who is uh, who who knows a lot because he reads a lot spends a lot of time just uh, casting about. So anyway, a few thoughts there for me about how this rolls. So Country Love Songs is the uh, debut record on Bloodshot 1996. Steve Albini engineers and uh, it is responsible for a lot of the sound on here. And if there's, um, uh, I don't know where, again, as Mike sort of referenced, I, I don't know where you necessarily want to start with somebody like Robbie Folks. It's not a problem to start though from the very beginning. Um, this uh, Robbie Folks had a T-shirt that I that I own, and it's bright orange, and it's his his face outlined in blue, and it just says "Country is not pretty," and of course that that is like a double for both his face and the music itself, the themes, the lessons, the lyrics. Country is not pretty, and that's a decent way I think to sort of introduce us to these songs on country love songs. First it looked to warn to play The label all but washed away Then I made out the name of my old friend Thirty years and a scratch or two actually say that boy this almost reminds me a little bit of the um 
you know, those early old 97s albums where I say that there's not enough here to grab my attention, though the hints of the, the hints, the promise is real here. Papa was a steel-headed man. The buck starts here in particular. I love. I like that one's got a little jokey puns on country music artists that work. Tears only run away. There's solid songs on here. But musically, it's like technically competent, but there's nothing particularly interesting going on with this one major exception. And this is the best song on the album, the one that immediately leaps, leaps out to me. And I wonder if me with my untutored ears hears the same things that you guys who are big fans here. And that's Let's Live Together, which just develops for me from this magical opening churn into that great country fiddle. I don't know how you describe it. It's like a sputter. It's so much more interesting than anything else on the record musically. It has picking banjos. I love it. The moment I saw you, I wanted to know you. I guess I felt for you right from the start. And uh, I, I think um, I, I would say that the instrumental music here is also similarly interesting for me. Pete's Way's Trousers. Uh, it, it's, I love the sonorities of that fiddle. It's far less screechy than the typical sound that you get out of it. Uh, uh, but these, I would say, are sort of like you know minor pleasures. His lyrical voice, I think that's the thing I want to focus on. It, it's a tinge too darker than most country singers. That, that sound distrat normally. And that's obviously what leaps out at me first about, about folks. But then some of his tricks at this point are gratingly corny. And here I got to offer some criticism that every kind of music, but country and rock bottom pop one, they're the kinds of songs that you could imagine having been written by the Simpsons writers during that Lurleen Lumpkin episode. That's my problem with them. And I guess I can see that's why he's a big fan of Adam Schlesinger. You know, he likes the sort of very cute, on the nose, that thing you do kind of pastiche approach. It shows through a little bit too much when he goes for comedy songs on these sort of country tracks on this album. And then the contrast between that and something like Barely Human, which is the darkest thing I've ever heard. We talks mm. about like I'm barely human when I have gin. Yeah. Like I, I basically lose my humanity when I get drunk. Uh, they don't they don't really sit super comfortably alongside one another. You know, I mean, that's a song about like one man's battle with the bottle, but then you have the Scrapple song, which is about one man's battle with the pride of Pennsylvania. (laughs) By the way, I want to point out Scrapple tastes pretty good. Uh, I I don't know why he's got a thing against it. I like Scrapple just fine. And I like that song too. I got to tell you that he sounds for all the world, like weird Al Yankovic doing one of his genre prestigious, even down to the singing voice. It's eerie. Um, so like those are my impressions of him. This is the first I had heard of him, and it was really hard for me to get a beat on him. As somebody I knew we came out of country and I heard that here, but then I heard all of these other like sort of shoots and tendrils. It sounded like a person who already was uncomfortable with the with the genre he had cast himself in. <laughs> How wrong am I? Oh, you you got you gotta let me jump in. You gotta let me jump yeah, in. Yeah, go here. for it. It's all here, you. Here's 
this is this record is so carefully constructed when you come back through it and I, I think maybe you'll maybe you'll come around to it after time it is the most insincere sincere thing you're gonna find and the first the first thing to note is that the first the first song the first official Robbie Folk song in the whole catalog isn't written by Robbie Folks mm-hmm. it's a Tim Carroll song and the title of it is what every kind of music but country that's the name of the first song he puts his name on in his first record deal now that's an announcement that's an announcement it's not even his song well so i had a guitar in my hand but she never heard me play until the night she heard my band and now she can't remember having told me she liked every kind of music but country every kind of music but country she liked it fast, she liked it loud, she liked it funky She liked everything about me except for one thing She liked every kind of music but country She liked everything about me except for one thing Then he steps in, and the, fo- the song that follows is you, you, want, you want a pure radio hit, you want classic classic uh, 80s style goofball country. Let me give it to you. Here's one co-written with Dallas Wayne, Rock Bottom Population One. And it's got the bouncy beat. It's Mm -hmm. got the lyrics. It's got the goofy chorus. It is made for the radio. And then as soon as you think that that you've got this guy, the next song is The Buck Starts Here, which is a tribute to the Buck Owens, the Bakersfield sound, it's got that goofy chorus once again. The buck starts here. It's a tribute to the idea of how these songs actually sound. It's like watching somebody who's a brilliant mimic going, let me just show you. Uh, let me just show you what I can do. And the rest of it flows. You know, you've got, I love nickels and dimes. I'm looking at the track list here. But then we get to the middle of it where it's just, he grabs you by the collar and just slaps the shit out of you pardon me you can edit that out with she took a lot of pills and died everything's been right there Barry humans in there which is another drinking kind of song but then you get she took a lot of pills and died who does this who writes a song with that kind of upbeat thing but her but her uh what her, her star soon fell and her, and her body, body got, got old, old. Yep. so she took a lot of pills and died and, and that's the course over and over there's nothing sad in the music it's just let me tell you that to me is a kind of person who is announcing i'm going to do whatever i want i'm going to be ironic i'm going to be uh things are going to be at odds in in everything i do and this is fun now she hasn't been seen on the silver screen and she never may be again but every once in a while in a far end of the dial you can see her like she was back then in the soft Get to the end, you get Papa was a steel-headed man. You get more songs like Tears Only Run One Way sounds like a number one country hit. And then you get Papa was a steel-headed man, which is basically uh, a, a peon to uh, to atheism. I mean, it's, this record is crazy, and it's the first time out. She took a lot of pills and died. I hear a lot of old 97s and that something like Barrier Reef, you know, where like, you know, he's, there's, 
a lot of like lines, very cheerful song about absolute despair. <laughs> you know, where you know, like uh, you know, I'm Stuart Ransom Miller. I'm a serial lady killer. She she turned her head. She said, "I'm already dead." You know, just like just like somebody just like you know smoked out. And that's that's the same vibe I get from this. And that was one of the first things that leaped out at me. And actually, I. In my notes here, I wrote the same thing about Tears Only Run One Way. That's another really good song on this record. But, um, you know, there are things here that I kind of just find to be, uh, I don't know, I, I I would say generic. Or what I would say is that maybe I, I, I had set higher expectations. Maybe it's Scott's fault for setting higher expectations for me. <laughs> sure. Than, than could Blame possibly me. be met. Oh, see, when you when you say when you say I've heard things like this, and maybe I'm maybe my impression is colored by the stuff that came after and what I know. Well, that's but, also true. But I, I mean, I, I don't. I, if somebody asked, I won't ask you, but I'll say if somebody said to me, "Find something that sounds like this," I'd go, "Oh, no, I I, I really." Can't. Not a record full of them. I can find a record with one or two and then a bunch of filler behind it. Yeah. Um, but I can't find a record that from beginning to end pours out this kind of this kind of I don't want to say competence. I want to say this kind of uh, fidelity to mm-hmm. at least five styles. Right. Yeah. Right. No. And, and I, I mean, and comparisons are odious anyway. Scott, what were you going to say? Well, this is the first, you know, after I had Let's Kill Saturday and I went back to the beginning. So this is the second Robbie Folks album that I owned his, his debut. And as much as I like it, I don't, and so I, maybe I'll split the middle, I don't return to it as much as I do some of his other albums. That's not to say I don't love it. It's not to say I don't think some of the songs are, are brilliant. Uh, Buck Starts Here is is one of his absolute classics. Um, but, you know, stylistically, it is all over the, the country map, which is, which is, which is a highlight. Uh, Jeff mentioned Barely Human, which I think gives one of the first real glances into his absolute talent of of this character profile and and just uh, mining the depths of depression and and bad behavior yeah barely human i'm barely human from twilight till dawn um this she's fed up she's leaving this time for real this thirst in my body is all i can feel it does that you know his wife leaving doesn't even register because all he's concerned about is his next glass of gin uh, man, uh, I sometimes forget how good Barely Human is. She's fed up, she's leaving, and this time for real. The thirst in my body is all I can feel. So slowly the clock turns Till night falls at last If I'm barely human I can still lift the glass I love We'll Burn Together, one of his duets. And Robbie's voice with a female voice is one of the magic moments that will pop up uh, again and again in his career. This duet uh, will burn together with uh, cheaters together forever burning in the in the fires of hell. Uh, if we uh, if we left the fires of home for a match that won't last long, then we'll burn together till we die. Uh, just a wonderful duet. And you guys have both praised Tears Only Run One Way, but I don't think we've done it near enough. That's one of his really perfect songs. This, this pure post-Bakersfield country sound. 
Um, my goodness, is that a fantastic song? And, uh, you know, thematically, you can't escape the sadness. Tears only run one way, never back the way they came. Tears only run one way, and that's down, down, down. And that beautiful bridge uh, heading into the third verse, pedal steel rising underneath. Just like that river flow, a tear won't be controlled. Though many fools have tried, no one has turned the tide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And start to drive her from my heart no matter how hard I burn down the road of no return tears only run one way never back the way they came tears only run one way and that's down 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 tears only run one way never back You know, pill, she took a lot of pills and died, and Rock Bottom Population 1, I do like uh, Dallas Wayne co-write, honky-tonk sort of style. He just is able to sort, sort of, I want to say mimic is not the right word, but he's able to sort of restore and do a restoration job on all these different styles of country music through the years that work really well. Mike, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say that that when we talk about some of these dark lyrics in this on this particular record, and there's a lot to talk about that I've noted and I hope, I hope we get to, um, that uh, that you listen, go back and listen to that old Porter Wagoner stuff, you know, uh, the, uh, the 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 dark Porter Wagoner stuff and stuff in that in that realm, and then you listen to this and compare them. And while they both have their merits, what I think is interesting about Robbie's stuff compared to the say a, a typical Porter Wagoner drinking kind of song is those are all, some of those are murder ballads mm-hmm. back there with Porter Wagoner. While this is just this is about what it's like to be an alcoholic it's, and it's lose everything. Despair. These are so yeah. bracingly unpleasantly real. Yeah, there's it's, no valorization of this. There's no and, there's there's no rebel outlaw. Exactly. Like, it's not like well I'm drunk but I'm proud. He's like I've lost everything. I have nothing and I'm miserable and I'm just waiting to die that's that you can't go back in the 50s country and find too many songs that take it like that which is another thing about this crazy realism in what he does yeah cheerful <laughs> so well i guess that brings us unless anybody has anything to say about the the, the debut album this brings us to a, a similarly successful follow-up album and by similarly i mean it didn't really sell <laughs> uh, but it's really really good and this is the one actually that that peaked my ears up and this is called South Mouth. And uh, I'm going to obviously let Scott take it from here. But before I do, I just want to say uh, the minute I thought to myself, okay, I like this guy. This guy is really smart, is really clever, is when he left me with the biggest, goofiest grin on my face <laughs> at the end of the song, I told her lies. <laughs> yes. I saw the title on the page and I thought, oh, shit, this is going to be a gloomy ballad about like, oh, I, you know, I broke my lady's heart and I treated her bad. Nope. It's a guy who just says like, you know what? When she told me, she asked me, did I love her soul or did I just want her body? Well, I told her lies. <laughs> it's the so it's the anti meatloaf. It's the anti paradise by the dashboard line. Yes, yes. Yeah. Will you love me to the end of time? <laughs> well, he said he said he would, and then he got away without having to wait for the end of time. You can it's, hear him twirling a mustache. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, it's I so funny that he's just the comic book villainy and the big smile on his face as he's singing it. You cannot listen to it and not feel happy. Well, living on love would not do. She had to tie the knot. 
bought the rings and made the plans quicker than a rifle shot. And when the justice said, now do you swear, I gazed into her eyes, and in a voice sincere with fingers crossed, I told her lies. Yeah, I told her lies, I told her lies, big and little, long and tall, every shape and size. Yeah, when I heard the word forever, twas then I realized, I couldn't tell her what I thought, so I Drifting by, temptation slowly grew. I'd stalk a tramp from time to time. I even slept with two. But no uh, matter how yeah, I Yeah, Scott, this is, I know, I think is one of your favorites. So why don't you talk to us about Southmouth to start? Yeah, Southmouth is a peak. And um, I, I'm not certain it's going to be on the, uh, it's gonna be on the final two, but it likely will be on the two albums I, I recommend. You know, b- before Southmouth was released, he already had his deal with Geffen. So they knew this was going to be the last Bloodshot record that they released before making a, trying to make the jump or making the jump and trying to make a success with the major labels. And boy, all these songs are just tweaked to perfection. I find new things to love about nearly every song on this album each time I listen. In fact, true story. It wasn't until prepping for this very show that I truly realized the brilliance of Heart, I Wish You Were Here, uh, this beautiful Everly Brothers-type harmony song. And listening to it once, twice, I don't know how many times I've listened to it, Heart, I Wish You Were Here, My Love, I Wish You Were Here, right? My Heart, My Love, I Wish You Were Here, I Wish You Were Here, bye. You listen again closer to the lyrics and realize that the narrator here, Robbie, is actually talking to his literal physical heart. Uh, he's he's he, he wants to be in love with a new woman, but his heart isn't in it, and he wishes it were. Everything is great. Her kisses are so divine. Her body is so warm by mine. Her love is a gift so dear. Heart, I wish you were here. I wish you could complete this. I wish you could uh, make this a real love. Um, it is just... It is just a fantastic song, and I again, I didn't realize how great it was until prepping for this very episode. What a fool I was the last time I put you on the line. For now you've gone away and left this empty Front to back, South Mouth is is just amazing song after amazing song. Uh, Cold Statesville Ground. Lament of a guy facing the death penalty, essentially saying, How how did I become a killer? How did how did this happen uh, to me? Uh, complete with uh, complete with this verse about the actual killing. Graphic. Uh, ever lower she fell with every hammer blow. Uh, her bones I stripped, her grave I dug, as the earth beneath me darkened with her blood. Uh, a just, little bit. 
A little bit garish, a little bit graphic. And, I actually think that's the best song on the album. Yes, though. And, and then this just jagged. Uh, I just mentioned the '97s. It's kind of it's uh, solo Ken Bethea would play from from the '97s. It's this jagged, brutal guitar solo around the killing of the woman. And how do we end this with? Is it uplifting? Is it uh, is it like I'm sorry for this? No, we end with this picture of. Uh, uh, somewhere in the dark, a newborn cries, and a mother looks down with love into a killer's eyes. He doesn't know how he became a killer, and we don't know how it happens to others. What mom is looking into the crib, into this newborn's eyes, and thinking, what a sweet little boy, and what will he turn out to be? Perhaps a murderer like our narrator in Cold Statesville Ground. Man, is that a fantastic song. Mother cries, still, Bob Dylan, the more you know how deeply influenced and dependent mm. upon it is upon earliest Bob Dylan, uh, specifically his early debut album, Folk Era Days, and that, that whole Woody Guthrie tradition. But because Colt Statesville Ground is just like an updated version of that old Anglo American folk song trope of some stuff like House Carpenter, mm-hmm. you know, like where the woman runs away and then. You know, with the evil ghost to seduce her, and then ends up dying, and you're gonna, and her soul goes straight to hell. And you know, it has same down with the same droning folk pattern. They rock it up for the song, but it's that same oh. droning folk pattern. Gentlemen, the, the song you want to hear is "Arlene" by yeah. Handsome Family. Mm. <clears throat> right, but it, it, they all go through that similar. It, this is this is a tradition in country and in folk and in Anglo-American folk in particular that runs centuries deep. Yeah. And that's why Cold Statesville Ground is so good. Scott, I interrupted you as I do. I'm sorry. I will. And I interrupted you, so it was like a, it was like a domino effect. <laughs> this, this show is famous for its interruptions. I'll, 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 I'll speak on two more songs quickly and then hand it over to Mike because, again, I, I'd spend all day on Southmouth. Uh, Busy Not Crying is one of my favorite Robbie lyrics uh it's a great song the chorus is dead dead up front you know two seconds in you hit the chorus busy not crying over somebody that ain't there but there's a there's a verse that just encapsulates i think how good he is at some of this lyric play wordplay early each morning i roll out of bed jumping all around and shaking my head trying to steer clear of the things she left behind there's a pink pair of slippers and a coffee cup one i can't fill one not to fill up any more not to do and i think i'm gonna lose my mind oh that's one of my favorite robbie folk songs Somebody that ain't there Early each 
And one of the real big pop kind of moves here, because this is not as strict country as Country Love Songs is, I Push Right Over is a brilliant piece of pop music. It's just flawless construction. The bridge is magnificent. That If I had to listen to a song just over and over and over again, I might choose I Push Right Over. It's just a wonderful piece of songwriting. And I, I hand it to Mike before I go on even any longer. The only thing I want to add, because everything you guys said covers cover covers what you what what matters here, is that at this point we've heard two records, about twenty five songs, and about five of these songs could easily be top ten country hits if they were, in some cases, just pulled right off the record and promoted that way. And that's what's so amazing is for somebody to have this kind of literary sense and yet to have this kind of commercial sense at the same time mm-hmm. it's it's stunning and that's so much fun for me i think the last thing i want to say about this is that the production on this album is finally there for him he finally sounds individualistic he doesn't sound you know sort of like you know tentative the way he did on that first record um there's some incredible pedal pedal steel guitar work on this album. There's a moment on I Told Her Lies where what's being played does not sound humanly possible. It sounds like <laughs> it's a, like it sounds like a computer doing it, literally. Like, you know, there's a computer that has like seven fingers to like simultaneously touch seven strings. It does not sound like a human could do it. It's and that, beautiful. And that is, I believe, again, Tom Brumley, who played on the first album, from the Buckaroos, from Buck Owens. From, from Buck Owens' band, Mike. God, there is the physical dexterity required to do that. It just blows my mind. Okay. But then you got songs like I Push It Right Over, which I love. But I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like the remind I wrote. It reminds me of the sound that Elvis Costello would get trying to play country music. Is it weird to write that? And of course, little did I know that that would end up becoming the analogy, the framework that I applied to uh, Robbie Folk's overall. That. And of course, the difference, of course, is that there's a much more natural and thick sounding guitar tone there because, you know, Robbie Folks knows how to play country music guitar. That was Hostello, the little hands of concrete, <laughs> not so much. Um, but yeah, this, this one is a distinct improvement over uh, the second record for me. So it was no surprise to me that, you know, you know, much like old 97s did when they got their major label deal, it culminated in what is unquestionably hailed as his greatest record ever. If I say one more thing is, um, I have to mention a song like You Wouldn't Do That To Me. That's the Jim Dewan song in which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the question is, you wouldn't do that to me, would you, dear? This guy who is uh, blinded by love or, 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 on the flip side, being insanely sarcastic, right? Uh, where, uh, I-, I thought I saw you kissing another man. There must be a problem with the phone. It sounds like a man hanging up quietly. I saw your goodbye note. It must be a joke because... 
You wouldn't do that to me, would you, dear? You wouldn't do that to me. Uh, it's one of the songs he didn't write from a contemporary songwriter in Jim Dewan that works so well. I Was Just Leaving is another great song. Again, some the construction, the narratives, the stories that he tells are so engrossing. I Was Just Leaving, a guy is, uh, is, is, is leaving late for work, opens the front door and finds another man with uh, flowers waiting for uh, t- his wife. Uh, uh, it, it opens with, uh, um, you weren't expecting someone my size. And so the chorus, I was just leaving, like for work, but now I'll be gone, not coming back. Uh, man, so good. The songwriting, top to bottom, is just impeccable on Southmouth. I love this album. So as, as I said, I guess it's time for you to introduce us to what is sort of you know, universally hailed as his greatest and most accomplished work. Yeah, uh, okay, let's kill Saturday Night, uh, Geffen. His big, his big label move. And I have a very complicated relationship with Let's Kill Saturday Night because, again, it is the first record that I heard from Robbie Falks, and it opened the door down the road to so many great things, including just finding Robbie Falks, right? And yet, I think from anyone's perspective, and, and Mike can tell us more about Robbie's perspective, perhaps, um, it probably is his least successful album in terms of, of, of quality songs. The songwriting here is not quite as sharp. Um, the lyrics take a back seat to the arrangements. Rick Will was brought in to produce, and the drums are loud, and everything's loud, and Robbie's voice sometimes can't cut through uh, what is happening on a few of these songs. That is not to say there aren't some strong points. This title track, Let's Kill Saturday Night, is the one they tried to work to radio. I think it's still a fantastic song. He plays it live all the time. It's the one song that people who have not heard Robbie might, 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 might have heard once or twice. He played Conan. He did this uh, song on Conan, uh, Conan O'Brien's show. Um, Lucinda Williams is here as a guest vocalist, another duet called Pretty Little Poison, which I, I think is good. Uh, there, are, there are, you know, it, it's very much a rock record, right, guys? It, it's very much his, his attempt, the attempt by Geffen to market him as a rock artist. And yet you have these very pure country things still, too. You shouldn't have and God isn't real and can't win for losing you. The song that I think, besides maybe Let's Kill Saturday Night, the song that I want to highlight and I think people should hear is this enormously successful song called Night Accident. And again, if you follow this story, I always say, you know, if people listen to Robbie Folks and, you know, some of the classic country, no one would ever do anything bad because it never works out well. Nothing ever works out well. Night Accident starts with this very light and happy to do, 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 to do. You can imagine two friends riding together in a car and then it stops. And that's where we have our night accident. This car is now flipped over. It's on the train tracks, on the tracks of the Burlington Northern. And so these guys don't think they're going to survive. They're in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. No one's around. Next train that comes through, they are, they are goners. And so one of the men in the car, the, in the passenger seat, decides to confess his affair with the driver's wife. Death is near, and he tells the story. And the hours we shared are numerous. John, my hours with her, so few. And he, he begs for forgiveness before their death. Please forgive me. And so what happens? Well, out in the distance, they see a man. They see a man. And he says, sound the horn, John. Sound it now. Let them know we're here. Let them know. Let them save us. So what does John do? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing at all. Because this is a tale of betrayal and revenge. He does not sound the horn. The train comes through. 
They both die. A blaze of pure fury uncoils, as vengeful as hands at a crippled man's throat, silently tightening their hold. John does not move. John does not sound the horn. And it's set to this just incredible musical track. Night Accident is a highlight, one that certainly would have no chance of being played on rock radio, no chance of being commercially <laughs> successful at all, at all. But it is it is pure, Robbie. It is, I think, the best thing on this record by far. Then breathless with joy came the voice in my ear. Straight ahead of us, John, can you see? At the top of the hill in the moonlight so clear, a man walks alone through the trees. Like a lamp to the lost, God's mercy shines down. Now deliverance stands just within sight. Sound the horn, sound the horn, dear John, do it now. Don't sit there and stare at the night. Now a blanket of calm lies draped o'er this earth to shroud all misery and toil. But below us, still red with the blood of its birth. A blaze of pure fury uncoils As vengeful as hands on a crippled man's throat Silently tightening their hold As sure as the path of the 519 As down through the valley it rolls You know, again, I, I, I wish I brought something fresh to the table on this record, but I don't. You just nailed it right there. I think Little King is a fun track. There's nothing special about it compared to the other stuff, but that's there. Caroline is a strong track uh, because I like the way he sings on that. That's the best uh, song Matthew Sweet never did. <laughs> well, the thing about Caroline that's weird is that it starts off like this with this like heavy metal Back, it's like and then it turns it what it sounds like it's going to be a Hendrix song or something, yeah. like a bad Hendrix knockoff. And then all of a sudden you get to the chorus and you realize, oh wait, this guy knows how to write a song. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's actually a really nice melody and it's a very memorable chorus for. Don't lay a hand on her. She can't undress herself even when she's a thousand miles away. I steady and bloodless. Burning the torch at her own after the fade. Caroline, she's running through the window. Caroline, she's crawling on the ground. Caroline, all the words in the whole world never work. I think what's what's uh, what what I'll say about this record is that once this is done, it's sort of like the the the, the prefaces were done, and everything that comes after this is just a feast. And it's and, and everything that comes after this is exactly what he wants to do, right? Yes. He's not yeah. going to be controlled anymore by Geffen or anybody who wants yes. to make him a star. And I, let me tell you one other thing that that and it has to do with the way we store and listen to music 
is that I, I'm still a, an iTunes guy. And I have, uh, you know, my big library here, 40,000 songs. So when I hear Robbie Folk's music, I don't usually listen to the album from beginning to end. I have the songs that I like. And I mean, I like all of them, but but I don't usually associate them with any particular period. So it's a little jarring today for me to go back and look at this and see the evolution, because in some ways it, there's really just before and after the Geffen records for me. Well, I mean, I guess that brings us to after the Geffen records, right? Because what happens after this is that let's kill Saturday night as confused and weird halfway non-country an album that is. There's one song on that album that I, okay, the title track, which I always liked. Yes. It, yeah. And, uh, and yet I think to myself, this sounds like a 38 special song. <laughs> this uh, sounds very, very close to like. It's like know, rocking into the if, night. Or like, what if I didn't want to say goodbye? That it says that vibe to it, and that's a very fine line. That's a tightrope you're walking there, my friend. He does not get blown off, but it's very, very near run. Um, you know, and there's what was it, Pretty Little Poison? That's a really great duet. Yeah, it's got I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of pain in it that you know, fill me up. Pretty Little Poison. I mean, he's talking about heroin, I assume. And then, of course, like the guitar solo is, is a lot more Lou Reed than it is Bakersfield. So, like, it's a very weird dissonant feedback thing on a guy who's marketed as a country artist. There's no way this is ever going to sell. Oh, love. Like, what was this? His marking time album? He wanted something he could tour behind? He calls it the very best of Robbie Folks. Why? Just to mess with you. Because he's not <laughs> so he hasn't sold any records in the first place. It's not a best of. Uh, although the songs are good. You know, there's no thematic core. The songs don't hold together. And, and that way, it, it's sort of a compilation, odds and zods, what's left in the vault sort of thing. Um, and, and yet... The songs are still almost uniformly very strong on this uh, very best of Robbie Folks. Uh, I, I saw a review of Southmouth that talked about May the Best Man Win, so I think that song may have originally been meant for Southmouth, but it shows up here on the very best of. The first song on the record is outstanding, and it's one of the old ones, 1992, Gene Arthur. Uh, the guys well, I mean, played... how could it help? How could it help? It's Layla. It's the second half of Layla. You realize that, right? <laughs> Da 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 da. That's the that's the Layla melody right there, and it opens with it. Well, I I, I like that, and so that must I know, be why I like this. Like, it, it nagged me all week long. I was like, "Where is that from? Where is that from?" <laughs> I don't Where know if I that... put that together. You know, um, you should listen to it again. You'll you'll not be able to hear. You you won't be able to not hear it now. <laughs>
we mentioned these duets. Man, I love Parallel Bars. Hardcore, honky-tonk style. Kelly Willis, just a wonderful voice. Uh, country, she still sings and she still performs today. Kelly Willis is the female voice here. Uh, the story of a husband and wife who, who fight, who drink, and then reunite over and over again. They're drinking at Parallel Bars. Uh, one, on the, one at my feet, one on the opposite side of the street. So they're across the street from each other pretending they don't know where the other one's at. Uh, Parallel Bars is just a fantastic song. Uh, again, in someone else's hands. Yeah, you know, someone could have maybe crafted that into sort of a mainstream country hit because of the theme and the drinking and the breaking up and the getting back together. Well, she's got a temper like a Texas storm. I will strong as brick. Sometimes when we want to get along, we both got to get apart quick. Well, we take our troubles on the town to mend, but the town's too small for that. So we take our stools and we just pretend we don't know where the other one's at. Yeah, parallel bars, one at my feet, one on the opposite side of the street. Where two hearts that just can't meet, hide till the heartache's gone. I'll mention here, and I know Jeff feels this way too, uh, his taste and his ability to put instrumentals together is just incredible. And there is uh, one here called Jello Goodbye, which is how this album ends or nearly ends. If you stick around long enough, you get a heartfelt <laughs> cover of Leaving on a Jet Plane. This is a is, nice cover, by the way. It's a great cover. Uh, but J yeah, Jello Goodbye is the instrumental here, which is, again, just really outstanding. There are a few things that I don't think work really well. I, I don't love You Break It, You Pay. I'm not sure about I Just Want to Meet the Man. But again, it's not meant to be sort of thematically whole. It, it is pulled from different places. There's a song we probably don't want to say too much about because it's not great. And I think even Robbie said so in the, in the liner notes, which is White Man's Bourbon. Um, yeah, some of those joke songs, I listen to it, and I think to myself, you know what, you're public. I thought you were smarter than that. Like, <laughs> there's just not that funny about that either, you know. Whatever, whatever. There's but no I, I held back here because I know that Jeff wants to talk about what might be the very best song here. It is a crowd fan favorite, even though it is a direct shot at his fans. In fact, in the liner notes, he has these fictitious albums from which he's pulled these quote unquote best of songs. And the album <laughs> from which the song Roots Rock Weirdos comes is uh, titled I Loathe My Fans. But it's right. a great song. I mean, listen, there are a couple tracks here I could talk about, but I just do want to say Roots Rock Weirdos is immediately I heard it, and it reminded me of something like Longer Than You've Been Alive, '97, <laughs> which is a similarly a, you know, music about the biz, right? About the, about the tour. And this is, of course, about like, you know, that, 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 fan who has like a he's got like a really uh, tight overcoat and a scarf and he's got glasses on and he's standing in the back and he's taking notes with a pen and a pad and he's writing down your set list and he, and he comes to you so you know what you didn't play a lot of material from your most recent album tonight like that guy and you know like oh god these guys and of course the, it's such a fun song 
such a joyous chorus, joyous instrumental groove. And then it just ends with that hilarious quote from one of the fans. He's like, I prefer your earlier work. <laughs> just, just, just imagine some like Scandinavian who discovered Robbie Folks via the internet, you know, like visit sees a show in Chicago and he's like, I prefer your earlier work, you know, like the stuff I list, used to listen to in Stockholm when I was at university. Like, you know, that kind of fan. And that's just so funny. I love that song so much. And I think this album in general is actually a really fun hodgepodge. Now Joe, he was slow to anger But that barkeep found it hard Just to watch the air grow toxic With smoke and self-regard So he jumped up on a bar stool And he called out loud and clear I don't know just what you weirdos want But I don't want you in here The room grew deathly silent Then up from the stinking ranks Rose a homely social worker Bowling shirt marked Hank and dropping the fake black diction, he said, Since you inquired, let me take stock of what we roots rock and <clears throat> weirdos desire. Hmm. Fishnets for every woman, lipstick as red as flame. For every man a tattoo, a Chevy and a dumb nickname. Cigarettes in every shirt sleeve, black leather on every back. Fanzines in every bookstore, LPs in each record rack, three cards in every pop song, four white guys in each band, a ruthless media empire to saturate this land. Then with their own country comrades and our brothers in neo swing, we'll reclaim music from the kids for our fights and crackers. Before Mike jumps in, yeah. I like the fact too that there's a direct reference to uh, playing the bass line from Secret Agent Man, and then they actually yes. do play the bass line from bass Secret, line. Agent yes. uh, Secret Agent Man in the song. It's perfect. Right, it is. Mike, any thoughts? Yeah, the the song here for me is Gene Arthur. Uh, aside from the Bangle Girl, that Bangle Girl, which he plays live almost every show, and that's that's fun. I'll leave it to you guys to talk about that. But Gene Arthur is wonderful. And, and he's he's done this in other cases where he'll pick somebody out mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that, that you may not know and and write about it. And he's, there's there's uh, for instance Charles Thomas Samuels uh, and uh, Arthur Kessler's eyes uh, and here is Gene Arthur from a whole from about you know a little earlier than that era but I'm, I'm looking at the lyrics here just to, to put this out a- any woman God's made yet stands like a rough draft by her. She could light one cigarette and smile while the world caught fire. And and I had to look up who Gene Arthur was when I first heard this years ago. And I thought, mm-hmm. man, that what a neat idea to pick this, this actress out from so long ago and then describe her in these this 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 splendid poetic way. He's an observer, uh, as as the best reporters are, and that shows in his essays, and here it shows in his his lyrics choice. Uh, about Jean Arthur. What? A, what? A, and I guess I should say she's an actress from the first half of the twentieth century. Thirties and forties. This yeah. is this is marvelous little. It's not even a character study. It's just let me let me give you a quick photo. The second verse is the best, though. The, her, her talent was not the kind learned at some school for actors. Her beauty would stump the minds of all the experts at Max Factor. 
the yes. way those words, yes. the way those words just sort of staccato off uh, off of his uh, his lips in the in that last line is just perfect. Uh, one more, uh, and that's "May the Best Man Win" because it's a great story song. Uh, uh, there's a there's a line in the uh, again the liner notes in which he says there was a big debate in studio about whether you're coming up the aisle or down the aisle when you're when you're through with the wedding. Um, but anyway, the best man. For from at a wedding, plotting to do me wrong as we were coming down the aisle. Um, it's sort of a, a literal version of "Take my wife, please." please. He's saying, it's, "It's just rescue me from this living hell. Uh, even death won't set him free." The best man. All right, take take her. It's fine. She's yours. May the best man win. Uh, of course, the best man being the best man of the wedding, and it's just a wonderful little country song. We'd been childhood sweethearts, and he would always tag along. Between the three of us Only one line was drawn But now he's made that fatal step I wish him better luck than me From the living hell he's walked into Even death won't set him free So may the best man win And may he wind up crying May he suffer for life versatility and this is really what we need to emphasize that, that Robbie Folks is writing country music but this stuff is also it, 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 it moves not only into mainstream rock but you'll see him trying out all sorts of weird tricks later on but he also writes they might be Giants music every now and then in this case Wedding of the Bugs which is obviously just some live track taped to cassette from some random show but it's hilarious actually and in in Scandinavia it's Scandinavia like a, it's a, it's a, I think it was a so Sweden have, show you have the liner notes, and I yeah. don't see that, that. That's what that's what I get. But it's just like a hoot. It's a hoot and a half. It's just like almost like kids' music, and all. It's just like all the bucks are basically getting together, and it's just like one of those awful, disgusting days where you turn over every rock, you walk outside, <laughs> and every the air is thick with them, and it's just disgusting. They're all copulating, and ah, you know. But it's that kind of hot, su- hot summer southern night. I played in Scandinavia. No less. Yeah. This is a perfect place for me to for me to stick this in here because uh, we because it's not on a on a on a release we'll probably get to and that is his uh, his his kids song that he wrote Godfrey <laughs> the sickly unemployed amateur magician now, are you guys familiar with this <laughs> I don't even know if I've heard that one Mike that's a great title alone I mean it I is, can only imagine it is marvelous it is basically I'm trying to be delicate about this it's basically 
a, about a uh, a pedophile. Oh no! <laughs> he sees, his kid song. You said okay. Yeah, and it's it has the little the little uh, the little uh, uh, what do you call that that tinkling sort of. Um, sound in the back, dink a dink a dink a dink. Godly the sickly, Godfrey the sickly, unemployed amateur children's okay. magician. Music box, yeah, yeah, music box. And 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 then the uh, the principal comes on and making an announcement at the end, and he won't be there because he's had to go back to uh, his his prison upstate, and he won't be able to play do his little tricks for you today. It is wonderful, and so and and uh, you mentioned uh, they might be giants. This is this takes that and just says, well, let's just throw all that out and go even further. It's <laughs> ridiculous, hilarious, and wonderful. As dark and as it not gets. heard enough. His next move would be to do ex essentially two things at once. <laughs> and we'll take the first things first, which is I always see this album, which is Couples in Trouble, uh, released in 2001, as essentially being you know a, a redo of. Of uh, of let's kill Saturday night. Meaning, if if Robbie could introduce himself to the eliciting public in his own way, w without any sort of restrictions placed upon him by a label or demands placed upon him by a label, if he did not sort of uh, introduce himself originally through this country label, Bloodshot, this alt country label, if he could just do. Uh, the music he wanted and sort of spray to all fields to bounce that pinball all around and have elements of yeah country and folk and bluegrass and rock and and what art rock uh, in places too and still set it to these magnificent lyrics with which he's become accustomed writing you'd have this one couples in trouble uh it was self-released on his boondoggle record label and so it did not have a wide release and it was not something that I think his fans would be lining up around the corner to hear. It's not something you'd expect if you come directly from South Mouth. It's not even something you'd expect if you came directly from Let's Kill Saturday Night. It's its own living, breathing thing from start to finish. And he sort of smashes these expectations with the first, what, three or four songs on the record. Something like Anything for Love, which has these tinny little drum machines. Uh, right. And this huge crash of the first chorus. And My Tormentor, which includes piano and this great string section. He is he is setting you up. He, he is knocking down expectations and setting you up for the very best of this album, which is yet to come. Burn, burn, shot, but standing anything for love. in the curious about what Jeff thought about Couples in Trouble, because there's parts of this I think are really up his alley. I mean, I think it's very clearly the best uh, album of his career. Uh, and it was immediately apparent to me when I heard it, 
And the thing that made me worry is the fact that I thought this, despite the fact that it's not a country album at all. So I think, well, if people who are real Robbie Folks fans, are they going to look at me and say, oh, you just don't get him, man. Nah, obviously, he likes the rock album. Duh. It would be like somebody who said like the best Ryan Adams album is the one called Rock and Roll, which everybody <laughs> who knows Ryan Adams knows is like one of the worst albums of his. Um, but this is actually a fantastic record, and it's so fantastic that it really kind of scrambled my brain. You know, Scott and I often talk about how we will approach an unfamiliar artist on the show, and we actually do it the same way, more or less. We start chronologically, just go from A to B, station to station. When I hit this one, I got real confused about well, who was the artist I was listening to. Now, Scott had told me a little in advance, like, you know, beware, this guy doesn't just play in one mode. He, he's, he really likes to experiment with different kinds of sounds. And I'd heard some of that in the prior albums, particularly on Let's Kill Saturday Night. But that felt a little bit like, you know, as you guys pointed out, maybe like the studio, or not or the, the, the record label, kind of like, you know, forcing him into an uncomfortable style here or there. This is him being who he wants to be, and it's a very weird album. And it renders him functionally uncategorizable as an artist to me because so much of what's great about this has absolutely nothing to do with country whatsoever. Um, to the point where I think the analogy I use, we were just talking about it before the show, is that it reminds me of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. Another album that when it came out, you were like, oh yeah, the country rock greats Wilco and their big new album. And when I bought it in 2000 and one or two or whatever i was expecting to hear country rock and there's no country rock on that record at all there's no country rock on this at all it's it's a it's a folk based very rhythmic you know very ballad oriented uh meditation on doomed relationships damaged couples basically almost all of these are just damaged dysfunctional couples and it's just 12 sketches and almost every single one of them is absolutely stunning i i could literally talk about every one of these songs the, the dancing on the ashes my tormentor mad at a girl which is about as lighthearted as it gets where, where he's musically yes musically yes but lyrically not right well, yeah. but also i mean it's kind of just saying like yeah i know i should should calm down but you know, i'm too busy being mad at a girl yeah. everybody's everybody's been in a mode where they're just fulminating <laughs> they know they're being an idiot you're like you know i know i should take a step back but uh, i'm too, just too busy being angry right now no i don't need a close friends here that got spells only for squares The thing is that the album only grows as it gets near the end. Like it's one of those things where I kept thinking, okay, these last few they're probably going to be weaker. No, last few songs on this record, I think some of the best music he ever recorded. I don't want to take everything up now. I want you guys to talk first. But yeah, this one is the one that really made me stop short. This one is, I would say it's an actual masterpiece, and yet it is so different from everything he put out up until this point. The thing that this album reminds me of is something that I that I know is at once 
false and yet completely true to me is that when we when we start this conversation, we started this conversation and and I heard stuff about country, country, country rock, roots rock and all that. It, it just it, it, it grates when I hear that, because for me, I, I don't make the distinction. Yes, I know yeah. there's a distinction, but I don't make the distinction. When I hear a Robbie Folk song, it, it doesn't matter to me what the genre is except in the way that he's made it interesting. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Robbie Fulks when I hear a record. And, and is, is, he, is he sounding like Buck Owens? Okay. Is he sounding like Elvis Costello? It's okay. And this album is, this album is of a piece with that. It's, here's what I'm interested in right now. You know how when, I, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm teaching uh, 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 persuasion uh, in, uh, to, to writing students, I say, you know how you listen to, you, you, there are certain columnists you read even if you don't agree with them, but you just like the way they think. And it doesn't matter what they write. If you like George Will, you, you read him. He's going to talk about baseball. He's going to talk about foreign policy. You just like to read George Will. And that's what that's what he is for me. It's a, mm-hmm. what What's right. on Robbie Folks's mind? He has an interesting mind. Here's an album. Here's a song. Here's an essay. He's He has so much going on in there, and it bounces off uh, things. And on this particular set of weeks or days the thought was what if i did this set of songs about about romantic relationships and the varieties thereof well it's dark all around the world and i'm the only soul in bed it's like oil through a funnel pictures filling up my head i'm gathering up the blankets just to keep out the sound some kind of ruckus in the Safeway lot Daddy's with a friend downtown mm-hmm. There's mama all washing light Reaching out her hand mine and and that's all I have to say about it. Each but it of takes so much time to, in its own way. It takes so much time to do that, though. You can't just say to yourself, "I'm going to write 12 perfectly observed songs about you know relationships and couples." Right? No, that's that's like a year's worth of effort, I would imagine. Unless yeah. you, unless you know, maybe you get hit by that bolt of lightning and you know you have a jar full of coffee and you spend the weekend <laughs> writing you know in a burst of inspiration. But no, this sounds like such difficult craft and such work. But that's Especially what's so amazing about it is is he he did that whether it took you know gathering him together over the course of a couple of years or if he knocked him out in six weeks the fact that he would see through that as an artist and I know I know Robbie would would grit his teeth there's no way he could listen to this podcast because yeah. he would say you're taking it all way too seriously okay but you know what these are not pickup arrangements I know enough to know that I, oh yeah they're, they're not they're they not. are they are they are they're they're incredibly calibrated and especially his guitar he, he, we haven't really spent any time talking about what Robbie folks does instrumental he's a flat picker yeah. uh, he's an acoustic guitarist and when I say flat picker it means instead of finger picking he uses a pick mm-hmm. and plectrum uh, but he can do it incredibly quickly, um, and you have, and he has, a, he has a very clear sense of how to use the guitar as a rhythm instrument, not just as a melodic instrument or a, a harmonic instrument. So you get a lot of like really well chosen, uh, very similar to the way I think people like Paul Simon and Lindsey Buckingham like to play their guitars. I see, I, I hear a lot of that in folks. Again, these aren't country musicians I'm mentioning, 
Uh, they come much more from the folk and bluegrass side of things. But like you get a lot of that on Couples in Trouble, too. I'm sorry. Again, I, I'm just finding reasons to step on people's feet. No, no, no. It's, it's all good. It's, and, and, I don't, and, that, and what I'm saying about what I think Robbie would tell us is not to say that, that it, they, they, they shouldn't be analyzed. They should be. But I can tell you his interest is in the making of the art. For, to, to, the, to the limited extent I know him, he would say, you know, just enjoy it. <laughs> and and uh, but but that part of enjoying it for guys like the three of us is yeah. doing what we're doing right now. Scott, Je- Jeff, you mentioned something that didn't hit me until you said it. Um, so you know, congratulations. Yeah. The the sense of rhythm on this record is something that is not really present. I, I don't think anywhere else in his in his catalog. When you yeah. hear anything for love, and again that, that sort of tinny drum machine setting the beat, when you hear real money and that sort of edgy menace, that slow as molasses rhythm, uh, even something like Mad at a Girl with the horn chart and the way that the, 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 the sort of it's it's not Motown stacks, but you know it, it has that sort of that that rhythm to it. And then, uh, speaking of rhythm, the way it's explored in a song as dark and just cringy creepy as brenda's new stepfather where you have this you know cacophony of horns and cymbals and odd little sort of drum patterns and lyrically here because these are all you know couples in trouble these are these are relationships that are 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 toxic and this is as the title might indicate uh brenda's stepfather sexually abusing brenda this portrait of abuse, and it has this sort of jazzy swagger, this ramshackle beat, um, man. And and the lyrics we, we talked uh, back in Cold Statesville Ground, you know how he describes the killing of, of of the woman. And here on Brenda's new stepfather, you have listen for the soft turning at your latch. Uh, hey, little hot pants, I'm your daddy, no matter how hard you scratch. It's creepy, cringy stuff. It's dark um and it's set to this incredibly uh interesting rhythmic pattern that sort of just illuminates all the little corners he wants you to consider it's too, and it's, think about it's too good at what it does frankly it's too good at its job because I, I listened to it and actually felt disgust which you know i guess is the intent but it's like it's weird because it, it's not like an ugly sounding song it's mm-hmm. not like an atonal song it's like almost too perfect at capturing like how horrible this is. I'd be careful who I'd send letters here at the retail trade. Maybe you think some skinny white boy's gonna keep you pretty and paid. Wait for the falling of the midnight hour. Listen for the song turning at your latch. grotesque almost carnivalesque horror of it in this weird mundane way like that it's the one thing on the album i don't like and and not because it's a bad song but almost because it's too good a too song good. 
Hey, yeah, it's a weird way hey to little it. dreamboat, I'm your daddy till you find a way out of here. The, oh, the God, menace, yeah, see, that's what I mean. Threats. That's repulsive in so many oh. levels. Oh. And, and yet, at the Jeff mentioned the very end of this album, which... Uh, music... Oh, God, yeah, I want to talk about that. So, uh, yeah. Okay, let me say, I'll say a couple things and hand it off. But yeah. you know, musically, it brightens, but thematically, it doesn't, right? And so no. you have these two songs, Banks of the Marianne, which is just this bright... Uh, you know, acoustic guitar again, rhythm, rhythm. The rhythm on Banks of the Marianne is outstanding. But I literally wrote a Banks of the Marianne. Is that this? Whatever this is, it ain't country. It sounds like Paul Simon. That's what I wrote. <laughs> I, I, and I have more. I didn't think I'd say this, but I have more Paul Simon references later in the program too. So I think there is some there Paul is. Simon seep, seeping in here. But Banks of the Marianne is is a guy who I think at least dies while trying to swim across a river to prove his love to a, a woman while he's drunk and, and then never could which is the closest thing to sort of you know country folk straight country folk on this record the very last song on the album but it's as jaded as as anything else uh, on this album but it sounds nice and so I, I think what never could does is say all this terrible all these terrible things are happening and sometimes we all are just putting on this happy face this happy uh, jaunty uh, country acoustic guitar uh, but down below things are bad You've been hurt by love. Love's a well-known lie. All these things right at the end of the album that, that Never Could tries to wrap up. She's hit you and run And now you've lost the will To live on without wear that false little smile Just knowing all the while you want her still It never could, it never would, it never can it's got the whole world moving while your feet are standing still It's got you staring in his face It's got the smile right off your face Nothing's taken the place of love's sweet thrill No, nothing ever could or ever will Impressive music, Scott. So I'm surprised that you like this one as much as you do. I'm the one who's the gloomy guy, you know. That's true. I'm the one. I'm the power pop, and you're the. Although power pop has its uh, share of gloom, you know. I'm the lyrically. Joy Division guy, and, and you know you're, you're not, you know. But there, there are so many beautiful touches on this album that again step outside, so far outside stuff he'd done before. There's like, like an, an electronic music like echo behind uh, "She Needs You Now." There's this ghostly instrumental break at the end of it, and there's like this little distant, this electronic echo behind his acoustic chords, and it's just so perfect. It's so minimalist. And then the, again, you know, as Scott just talked about Banks and Marianne, that instrumental break, I love his instrumental sound. There's accordion. It's an accordion-driven yeah. song. Mm -hmm. And then in between the accordion, and this is what I mean about the way he combines ideas, <clears throat> what two great flavors go even better together <laughs> accordion and metallic feedback guitar and that's what you get on the instrumental of the banks of the marianne and there's these tribal drum beats underneath it it's a remarkable sonic fusion to the ends of the earth to the river runs dry to the last breath of life in the man to the gives up the fight until the sun falls tonight on the banks of the
And then my only stab against it is that it kind of ends on this weird sound effects teleplay. He's very fond of that, by the way. That's another thing. A Robbie Folk's tick, you'll notice that he loves writing these sort of like radio songs where like something will happen in the middle of the song. He does that on that Fountains of Wayne thing, which is hilarious. And we should probably talk about that at some point. The Fountains of Wayne hotline. Mm-hmm. But um he likes doing that, and I think here it could probably be, you know, do without it. But the last thing is the grip of love. The grip of love is such a good song. That song, and I wrote, like, this should be a suede B-side. Now, people who don't know suede and don't know my opinion of them don't realize what a high compliment that is because <laughs> suede is the greatest B-sides band of all time in the 90s. But that's London British glam Britpop, all right? And the fact that Robbie Folks is writing a song that I think Brett Anderson could sing – of suede, I can't believe it. It's a slow, ruminative acoustic folk ballad about like souls in torment, and it starts from nothing, and then it builds, and then it just returns from it returns back to nothing from whence it came. It is a gem. This is he's the rest of his albums from here forward are all great as well, but to me, this is the best one he did, in my opinion. Mike, anything else before we move on? Yeah, you, you know, you you keep coming back to the real nut of what it is that he does so well, and that is dissonance. Uh, everything that there are a lot of reasons to like what he does, but the things that we talk about most often are those moments when it's dissonant, such as the song about uh, Brenda's new stepfather, where you said it's it's so out in front uh, compared to what's going on, compared to how it feels. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to be so frank about it, that's that's very uncomfortable. And we and you talked about the uh, accordion, Jeff, just a moment ago, and you said the accordion ma- mix, mixed with the uh, the metal the metal sound. Um, wh- what he does so well is to match things that nobody else would think to put together. And, and shameless plug here, my in my book, The Molecule of More, I co-wrote with my, my buddy Dan Lieberman, um, the source of creativity, that's all creativity is, is combining things that haven't been combined before, connecting things in a new way. That's what makes him so interesting. And it goes also to the idea I gave you a moment ago that I don't draw a big distinction between the country-sounding stuff and the rock-sounding stuff. What I'm really listening for is what's surprising me here. What's different? What mm-hmm. has been combined that I haven't heard before? Whether it's an upbeat melody with a depressing lyric or it's a, a, a set of uh, allusions uh, to things that aren't otherwise connected. Mm. He is a, he is a, he is a, a, as many artists are, he puts his dissonance up front. And that's what attracts us to him and to people like him. Any other thoughts, Scott, about Couples in Trouble? Uh, it's it's a great accomplishment, and um, and it's a great album. People should seek it out. People should really seek it out. Um, 
Well, talking about surprising, the next album here is one that didn't surprise me at all. And in fact, when 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 Scott sold Robbie Folks to me as an episode, this is what I was expecting to get <laughs> in a really good way, yeah. actually. Yeah. And of course, I'm talking about 13 Hillbilly Giants. It's a covers album. It's just 13. They're not famous songs. Absolutely none of these songs. You would look at and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that one. That one I hear on the radio all the time. You haven't heard a single one. Even the Dolly Parton song here is a really right. obscure Dolly Parton song, okay? But they're fantastically chosen. Go all, go back to all of his, you know, you know, most hallowed themes, including excessive drinking, <laughs> um, you know, with, with cocktails. That's a great song. That is um, a great song. And bury that the bottle with song. me. I mean, you know, he he really loves returning to that theme. And this is what I thought I was getting into when I first got what it was, you know, like yo, Robbie Folks, check this guy out. When you begin to get old and feeble, and the world to turn you down, and you have to take two walking sticks just to hobble into town, you can hear your kin folks talking. They'll be whispering all around. Poor old grandpa be better off when he's six feet underground. We live a long, long time to get old. We live a long, long time to get old. So there ain't no need to cry. Poor old grandpa's gotta die. We live a long, long time to get old. say people might dismiss it and you know we don't want to spend too much time on it because it is ultimately a covers album yeah but there is an art to a beautifully chosen and curated covers album because when you especially in country and in folk if you can find something good to do with these songs these greats you are speaking with the voice it's like the western canon mm -hmm. for country these are just timeless tunes and i really love what he does with them here I return, I return to this album all the time. I yeah. love listening to this album. It is, you know, the production is simple and direct. These are, if you know the originals, these are extremely faithful covers of those original versions. And again, the irony, as Jeff said, these are not hillbilly giants. These are under-the-radar <laughs> songs, for the most part, that he's trying to rescue and present to a new generation of fans. Well, uh, he was successful. Uh, I love... I mean, Bill Anderson, Frankie Miller, uh, Jimmy Murphy, Gene Shepard, Hilo Brown. These songs are just outstanding songs. The bones are so good, and he interprets them. Again, it's, they're faithful, faithful covers. Uh, but he does such a great job vocally uh, with them and presenting them to an audience. Two, two quick notes. Um, um, I, well, I guess more than two, maybe. Family Man's great. Man, I love Family Man. Gotta bring home the bacon, because I'm a family man. Uh, there's a great line of the song, which, of course, Robert didn't write, but, you know, about how uh, we uh, we think that when the kids are gone, that'll be the best times, but I think the best times we're living through right now. Like, that's just a great little message. Um, the, the two alcohol songs you guys mentioned, very quickly, Cocktails, a second song, great song. Uh, started running around with a woman, turned my back on my wife and my kids, wonder how mom's going to tell them the awful thing that daddy did. Again, if you listen to Robbie Folks, you will never do bad things because they never end up well. Cocktails tore up my family. Cocktails tore down my home. I cheated and I lied, swallowed my pride, washed it down. With cocktails I had a house on a hillside The car I was driving was new I had 
had money in my pocket But look what liquor made me do I started running round with a woman Turned my back on This is a little, I just, a side note, where his reputation sometimes has adverse effects. I was at a really small acoustic show up in Rockford, Illinois, he was playing. And um, he got to the portion of the show where he was doing requests. And, you know, he had played, you know, I think I told her lies earlier. And, and, and uh, a guy I knew in the crowd, who actually has since passed away, uh, shouted out for cocktails. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. I would love to hear cocktails. And he played it. But the problem is that the audience didn't know 13 Hibbley Giants, and they weren't really primed for it, and so they started, like, laughing at the song. They didn't realize They didn't realize serious. it wasn't a joke. Right, right. You know, when you go to the second course or second verse, and it's, it took two to wake me up in the morning, two with my buddies at noon. They got a laugh, and I'm like, the people, this is, not, this is not funny stuff here. <laughs> this is not going the way you think it's going, guys. Speaking yeah. of not funny, I cannot recommend highly enough his version of bury the bottle with me oh my goodness yep his vocals are spot on that soft soft guitar and fiddle just lingering behind him a guy who never had a family never had a wife so bury the bottle with me for it's what tore me down so i won't be alone tonight when they put me in the ground that delivery is impeccable that is going to make my list of five or maybe my five plus one i don't know but you have got to hear him take on bury the bottle with me so bury the bottle with me cause it's what tore me down then i won't be alone when they lower me in the ground when they lower my body down Now a drunkard Is a sinner On this I place no doubt And the Lord Won't share his palace With the things He lives without I think it's interesting that there aren't a lot of people who could come up with a list like he does for 13 Hillbilly Giants who know the canon so well. He didn't just pluck these yeah, at random. Yeah, he right. reaches deep here. This, these are not easy ones to find. Yeah, yeah. He, he knew what he was looking for, and uh, it's, just, uh, it's just one more area that he has a deep, a, a deep knowledge about. And I say that, but I should add, he knows a lot about a lot of things. I remember... Uh, few years ago it's been more than a few years ago when we were talking he was getting into uh comedy in the 50s and the 40s and and some of that and he he, he knew a lot about it already uh, and there are things that interest him that interest me and we have a big soupy sales fan or something like that <laughs> oh, we were actually we were talking about uh stuff in the chitlin circuit lawanda yeah. page who you know is an esther on on uh on yeah. uh, uh sanford and son uh, a lot of that stuff from from black uh, comics in the uh, in the middle part of the 20th century, just interesting stuff. He's a big comedy guy, which ought to be which ought to be mentioned. He uh, he taught Tina Fey to play guitar. He has a, a song on Thirty Rock that he wrote for uh, for that show. Uh, 
He's uh, Dino Stamatopoulos is a friend of his. He's he's very much plugged into that. Starburns, uh, Dino yeah. Stamatopoulos. Yes, yes. Wait, wait. This is that's a reference that only Mister Show fans or uh, community <laughs> fans will know. Yes, yes. He's he's very plugged into the comedy world out there. He was, he told me not long ago he was at a party and he mentioned Eric Idle was there and I was like, what? What did you say? It's a, he's 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 the coolest guy that only cool people know. So we're <laughs> in a pretty cool club. Yeah, super. Super cool, and I think there's really nothing cooler than going from your obscure Hillbilly Giant album to your obscure country comeback album. What now, a transition, by the way. What a transition. Well, because he's, he's, determined, be he's determined to remain obscure because this guy's just too cool. <laughs> so no matter what happens, he's never going to sell a million. He will never go gold. So Georgia Hard. Is a fantastic album, but at this point, we all understood it didn't matter. This man ain't going to sell anything. He's already playing for the fans. I think this is, again, this is much more trad country. Than, right, it's than, it's than, straight mid-70s, you know, country. Yeah. That's, just, that's, that's just right where it is. Got a third-story walk-up with a view of the alley. A mailroom job that isn't all glamour and fun. On to another, and now my feet are just too planted to run. And there's no Carolina moon over Chicago, no bluegrass growing out in my backyard, and no fields of sugar cane, no salt. There, there, there are. Well, you know what? I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a little higher praise than that. Because if it was just that, then it would be like stuff that you hear on the, you know, you know the film Nashville. And I don't not like, do not like that kind of music at all. There's a lot better music on here than that. But I think Scott's agreement. Scott is in agreement with me about this. Is that there are too many jokey songs that kind of like stuff it up too much and make it less effective than it otherwise needs to be. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really want to like Georgia Hart a bit more than I do. And I think it's in part, and again, we're super fans. I love, you know, the the jokey songs, uh, the humorous songs all have place. There's something about their placement and use on Georgia Hart that really jerks me out of mm. the, the tone and the, the feeling that's being set with the rest of the album. I mean, there oh. are some, oh, we're going to get an objection here in a second. Mike, go, yeah. go, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's what I love about it is just what you said is is that you're going along and you go, oh, I got this figured out. Bam! Slaps you right upside the head with something like, I'm going to take you home and make you like me. And then the deadly cold water Tennessee right behind it. And then, oh, now we're doing all you can cheat. It's like countryer than thou. It's just like, don't you settle in for a second. I'm going to knock you guys back and forth. I love that he just does not care. That's so cool. Yeah! Gonna take you far from here Under the valley of the shadow of beer And up to a higher place where you belong So sail away in my SUV And get closer to the real me And you'll see your first impression go so wrong Your routine's all rusty It's not working, trust me In fact, you disgust me You drunk hillbilly She likes me. I just smiled in passing Now stop your 
$20 bill. Give the little lady in it. Hey, what's that there on your left hand? Oh, well, that's an old war medal, if you must know. Now, uh-huh. listen, you probably don't realize I'm a big important fella. Well, You're a big Let's talk about the stuff I really, really, really do like. Uh, so, and, and that, well, that, and that, but that is some. So here's, it's not all of it. So like, all you can cheat, I think, works well uh, on the album. I, it's really, um, I, I don't know about "Take You Home and Make Me Like Me." Uh, Country of the Now, I like as a song, but again, as, as as to how it's sequenced, I'm not sure it's where it should be. But the, the songs that work here uh, work extremely well the, the title track is one of my favorite robbie songs mm-hmm. georgia hard um, oh yeah just uh, in, in semi there's a couple of semi-autobiographical songs there's one later on that's the same way but georgia hard story of a guy who follows his his uh, his girl up to chicago even though she doesn't really want him to follow her and gets up here and realizes it and uh, is is pining for those days of of shaking the pecan trees down in macon georgia uh, it twangs in all the right places, and I uh, I love that opening the opening line. She said she was leaving, so I went to follow. Blind love and I fifty five got me here, up from Georgia to Chicago, um, where there's a road. There's there's thematically some some themes of you know escape here, escaping Georgia. Where there's a road is is you know there's always a way out. Where there's a road, getting out of town, finding a new life. Um, um, the one I'll highlight from later on the, in the album is. Um, um, boy, if they could only see me now, yeah. which again is a is a is a murder song, <laughs> eventually, where in a, a, a very very slow, simple guitar picking sort of song musically and lyrically, a guy whose parents warned him, "Don't marry this woman. She's very wealthy. She's going to take you out of you know your comfort zone, take you out from your small town." He marries her anyway. She runs around. She has fun. He's he. He doesn't like that he's stuck at home with the kids. And so one night he confronts her and her lover as they pull up and she gets out of the car and he says, you know, the knife was only meant to scare her, but uh, something happened. I plunged it, plunged it uh, inside her and and kills, uh, kills his wife. Um, And if, you know, the whole thing is if they could only see me now at first, it's, you know, if they could only see me now, I married this great woman and we're having fun and we're wealthy. And by the end, of course, you know, if my parents could only see me now, how sad my life has turned out because, in part, I didn't take their advice. Another cheerful tale from yeah. <laughs> If they could see the nights that I sat with the kids while she ran wild. If they could see a heart by riches warped, by love defiled. They'd see a calm, untroubled mind as one thing all earthly gold combined cannot endow. Only see me now. And it was 4 a.m. when they pulled in slow with no headlights. There by the gates, a last embrace and a kiss goodnight. No witness on that moonlit hill, but for one who stood alone and still neath the cypress bough. They could only see me now, and she stared, not understanding. And then oh, I, I lied. One more. You, you don't want what I have. This is a so. Uh, there's a couple of times, especially from this point forward, where if you had a modern country artist, you know, say a Tim McGraw or 
I don't even know the right person, but certainly a Tim McGraw type type artist on, on the modern country charts. Take one of these songs, and they would knock it out of the park. They yeah. would just kill it. You don't want what I have. Um, you know, a, a, a married guy had a fight with his has a fight with his wife and walks down to the bar and finds his newly single friend and is essentially, man, you you got the best life I could imagine. You don't have to report to anybody. You don't have to. There's no fights. It's just great. You spend all the time at the bar, and the guy says, man. You don't want what I have. You don't want to be here. Uh, uh, all I have is a helpless feeling of a man slowly sinking down and these few fellow drunk, drunkards for a family. I wish I had my real one back now. Uh, th- this advice, you don't, you, don't, you don't think about this. Go back. I think at the very end it even says, go back to your wife, make up. Listen, you, go back to your family. You don't want what I have. I don't have anything here at the at the bar drinking alone with a bunch of strangers. Tim McGraw, someone like that, would take could take that set of lyrics, that song, and just knock it out of the park. It would be a smash. The women here, they come on so easy. That young thing sure acts like she needs me bad. But don't look on her lies. With envy in your eyes You don't want what I have All I have is a helpless feeling Of a man slowly sinking down And these few fellow drunkards for a family Wish I had back my real one right now and I know the grass is always greener But from where I sit, you can't have it bad So do yourself a favor have an answer because i don't i lived in nashville for 10 years i why why not why doesn't why doesn't somebody pick up where there's a road or georgia heart and may, if uh, where there's yeah. a road would be the number one song of the year of the you know year. you know what i realized scott is that we got through south mouth without ever actually discussing the song <laughs> this town Holy cow, maybe there's right. an explanation in there <laughs> uh yeah maybe there is a, a payback <laughs> <laughs> at work, perhaps. Which after is basically, that song. if I recall, I mean, it was basically his frustration that like nobody was interested in That's his right. weird, quirky songs yep. and his, his 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 little off-centered takes. And of course, he's only gotten weirder since then. So, like, you know, uh, Mike, do you have any thoughts about this before I add my two cents? Because I do, I do have a theory about this that I'd like to talk about, but I want to wait. I don't. I know. I know some people in the Nashville music scene. I've never asked them, but I mean, I'm not like plugged in, but. I don't understand. M- money rules everything. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if if I were a song jobber, I'd go. Well, I got this record for you when there where there's a road and and there'd be a fight over it. I mean, just think. I mean, think in your mind the way that that song swells at just yeah, the right yeah. time. Like all I've have is helpless. Feet. Like they would nail it. It would be they, Tim McGraw. Someone would nail that. Oh, that, if you sent this out as the demo, they'd go. Well, why don't we just release this? I mean, it's this is it. There's nothing to do except re-record it with your own vocal over it. Uh, 
I'm going to say this about about uh, Georgia Hard. I'll say first of all, I think Coldwater Tennessee is is for me at least clearly the standout track. Oh, what a song. It might might be the one might make my top five at the end. That's another Dallas uh, Wayne uh, co-write too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it, it. It's a beautiful, cold, dark song. Rusted dreams turn golden ash films. The stars ride high and the satellites beam. Pretty love songs, voices you remember all the way on. Look at those clothes, this brand new family. Um, I'm going to say I, I definitely agree more with Scott and with Mike about the sequencing thing. Okay, uh, that I, I do appreciate uh, music that will set a mood, finds a consistent tone, tries to sort of cast a spell. It puts you in a place and it takes you on a journey, and you have a reason for everything. So, like all of a sudden, you know, you know, here's a little clown song in the middle of it. It doesn't. You know, it, it's disruptive. It's discursive, even if the song itself is good. Structure and sequencing matters for something. And so I agree that I have a problem with some of the tunes here that I find. I don't like I'm going to take you home and make you like me. I, I, I find it to be tacky. It's one of those things where I thought the title actually I like. It sounds like bravado, <laughs> right? You know, that's funny, right? <clears throat> Like you know that girl who's already told you to go buzz off twice at the bar, and you're like, ah, I'm gonna take you home, and you're gonna like it, you know, like that kind of thing. That could be a funny conceit. I do not like the way the song is executed at all. But I also think there's a larger point here, and I was thinking about coming again to folks almost as an alien, you know, no further prior experience with his music. I feel like there is a very real way in, in that around this time he stopped trying to make albums the way we think of as albums and just sort of started pre presenting collections of songs. And it shows through most clearly on these Doberman releases uh, that he's put out these, these online only, like here's a flash drive full of 50 random tracks that I've completed. And they're in alphabetical order so there's no pretense about like you know putting it in as an album or arranging it you know uh it's just here's what i've been working on um i think you get a lot of that here on georgia hard where the inconsistency comes from the fact that there are 15 tracks when maybe only 12 were necessary and that they're not organized in a thematic sense they're just like oh well, here are all the things that i thought that were good so you have that problem here and i think you i think he's just sort of kind of you know, maybe along with the music industry itself has evolved and, and maybe Mike as well has evolved into a post album mode where he's thinking more about individual tracks and songs or at least recording them that way instead of song cycles because because you know this one doesn't have nearly the same unit. I would actually say something similar about Gone Away Backward, which is otherwise a record I really like. Now before we get to that, I mean there's a long time between Georgia Hart and his next album. And I do not know what it was that well, was going on, other than Michael Jackson's tribute record not coming out on time. There's a long time between the past, you know, 2001 was 13 Hillbilly, Hillbilly Giants and then um, and then Georgia Hart's 2005. So that's a pretty long yeah, layoff. He was doing... four years too, yeah. He, did the, he recorded the Michael Jackson album, at least most of it during that time period, and then shelved it for reasons. Uh, and then also that's when he was doing his Johnny Paycheck tribute album and producing and, and choosing people... 
to, to play on that. And again, I would just recommend, I, I hope it's still out there. He, he has this great story. I think he wrote it just after George Jones died about working with George Jones on that tribute record. And the, the meat of it is how happy George Jones was when he got paid for his work <laughs> on the Johnny Paycheck album. Uh, it's a great story. So that, that's what he was doing <laughs> there in between those two. What he was doing in between Georgia Hard and the next uh, proper album release really is this Doberman stuff, right, Mike? I mean, this is this, these are the songs he was essentially working on during this period of time, and and instead of, of, of making an album or two or, or trying to sequence them in a way to uh, make some sort of you know kind of coherent theme, he says, here you go. Here's a way to support me directly. The, the industry had changed a bit by this point, so if you're a fan and you want my music, well, uh, here's uh, 50 songs. For 35 bucks, or you can go a la carte. And he has these descriptions about if you like this song, this one might be for you, or this one fell apart in studio. I don't recommend buying this song, um, <laughs> which he says right on the website. And so you end up with the opportunity to make your own album, or as as Mike did, of course, grab these 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 songs. And I'll, before Mike, because I know Mike has a lot to say about this Doberman release. And so for people out there. Uh, you can't really find this stuff, right? There's a, there's a sampler out there on some of the streaming services and on YouTube that's about 12 or 13 songs. And it's a terrible mistake. Mike sent me like a 19th song, his own sampler, yep. and then like half the songs on it aren't on the one that you right. can buy officially, and they're amazing. And there's actually, so much amazing music on this. I, I checked his website uh, before we recorded. You can't buy it there either. Right. I did. The Doberman second, the second Doberman is there, but the first one is not anymore, so I don't even know how you'd get these songs outside of emailing Mike or Robbie directly uh, at this point. But the so, yeah, point that's here... why we're going to now spend 25 minutes talking about <laughs> material that you can no, in no way acquire. But I know that Mike Mike's especially thinks that this is really key to understanding Robbie and He's his career point, and I his think. music. Well, I was working in a restaurant there, John Town in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I met a plump bartender. I could see she was into this rugged old country star. See, she was trying to use me to get a leg up in the place. I never should have let her into my scene. She's gonna run off with Nico Case. Yeah, she's a lesbian. And I'm stuck in the tavern with the lovesick blues. Beautifully. So, Mike, tell us more about Doberman and why you love it so much. Well, I'll, I'll try to make it uh, accessible because it is it is hard to find. But uh, this this to me is everything because I see him as a song guy. I mean, surely you can put together albums. I understand that, but but if you just want to see somebody who can do any effing thing in the world. That's what this this these two Doberman records are. Uh, and, and I'll just name some of the songs, and I'm going to go between both of these records. One is called 70s Jesus, and it's just this kid talking about when he was a kid. It was my story about growing up in the church, and, and this is a little more hippie-ish than my family was, a lot <laughs> more hippie-ish. But uh, just all these references to what it was like to go to church in the 1970s and wait, wait, Jesus did, Rock did, and all this did, stuff. Did Jesus Christ Superscar get mentioned in the song at any time? I don't. I don't think that that there's a name check in there for it. But it has this wonderful, uh, wonderful '70s Jesus with his cross and hairdo, that kind of thing. I mean, it's just wonderful. Uh, there's uh, and then there are a couple of things here 
that he based on John Hughes uh, stories from National Lampoon. Mm -hmm. uh, one is called Little Brother, and it's this sweet, heartbreaking song about the older brother leaving to go what he's going to do college or have a job or whatever. And it's goodbye, little brother. So long, little brother. Farewell. And he remembers the things they did that were fun. It's not maudlin. It's just this sweet little remembrance uh, about, about what these boys, what these boys shared. Uh, and then there's uh, let's see, there's a, a, an instrumental cake joy rag, which is, which is named after a, a vulgar <laughs> national lampoon piece. Um, this one, this, I, I mentioned this earlier, Arthur Kessler's Eyes. Mm -hmm. And Arthur Kessler wrote Darkness at the Break of Noon. Uh, in the 90s, Arthur Kessler was uh, sort of the came out that, that Arthur Kessler was something of a ladies' man. Uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps. Too handsy, uh, as some might say. Yes. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. But I'm going to read you a little bit of a lyric from Arthur Kessler's Eyes. And you tell me who else could write this but Robbie Folks. Youngstown always needs one more stripper. Now encounter once her basics got her city journal's masthead just got hotter. Show me five people who can even identify those references. <laughs> I mean, and he wrote a song about it. That's insane. All around the island you can feel it happen. There's a lash in the box clip go back. Arthur Kessler's eyes that, that for, for just for that it's worth hearing um, an, another one here Carolina holds like crazy which actually may be on gone away backward you guys can correct me if if I if that's the case yeah a couple of the ones you sent me I noticed did end up showing up in re-recorded versions on the album later yes yes there's a this song just chokes me up every time I hear it and I'm not sure why but I'll, I'll read you the opening to this at a table in a bar in Nags Head, not reuniting, not quite goodbye. These words came helpless into my head. I'll be with this woman when I die. She may never know it. I'll be right here with her when I die. Is that the saddest thing you've ever heard? My yeah. God, it just tears it tears me up to say it right now. It's uh, it's 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 spectacular. I can I can go on and on. Through this, uh, through this record, and find example after example of of, of heartrending lyrics, of, of unusual juxtapositions, of of surprises. On the corner of "I Love and You" is that sung through a megaphone kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. which is hilarious. Uh, uh, they want me here. A guy sitting in a bar. Uh, the rest of his life is gone, but he can sit here and have friends, uh, and that's the only place he has to go. On and on and on. This this reportage from a guy who puts it poetically, uh, and then and then can play instruments behind it. I I really, I really feel like I'm just repeating myself at this point about enthusiasm. 
Scott, did you get a chance to listen to like the little sample that Mike sent? Yeah, us and I, the show? I had some that were. were I, I don't have all of them, but I had some that were not in the in the sampler either. And oh, uh, uh, you know, there are a number of outstanding songs. Angela is one that has stuck it's with amazing. me for a long, long time. Uh, this is buoyant, you know, pop song about picking up, you know, try to pick up a girl. Um, the world is full of pretty girls, and pretty girls are full of themselves too. Is an outstanding song. I, you know, I mentioned this in in our email chain before the show. There's a lot of the Doberman songs in which it sounds to me like it's just it's just fun. It's Robbie saying, putting on different coats, right? What if I wrote a song that sort of sounds like Pink Floyd, the way the Pink Floyd write a song? And yeah. I, I hear part of that in some places. And what if I wrote a song that really sounds close to the way Randy Newman would write a song? And there's there's one like that. Um, there's one. What if I wrote? What if I wrote an incredibly tasteless song about, you know, bigamy and you know, <laughs> abuse of you know, uh, you know, my my charges, my foster charges, which is common law cabin, which kind of proves the tradition that you know, in every Robbie Folks album, he is always himself, fully and always, including the tasteless parts, because that is an incredibly tasteless song. That I was just like, oh god, this is this kind of thing that you write as a joke, <laughs> and it and sounds like, like a TV theme. Musical. It sounds like a Gilligan's Island. Yeah, Yeah. Common Law Cabin is like a 70s sitcom from hell. Kate, she does the cooking and rubs the old washboard. Even traps the possums and polishes my cord. Me, I swing a shotgun as I pace across her porches. Watching for the town folk with their torches. Yeah, the good folk down in Smyrna say we're bound to burn in hell. But I won't go there thirsty for drinking from two wells. And if you think that I can't have my cade and even two, keep in my window one night and I'll show you how I do. The benefit of clergy. Such an offensive song. I, so I want to. I want to jump in here. One of the things that, and I, I, I adore Robbie personally, and and as an artist, and and one of the reasons is just for what you said about being offensive. And I'll tell this. I'll tell this very brief stories. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I write plays. I'm not going to call myself a playwright. That sounds pretentious. But I, I write plays. And and uh, I, I wrote one a few years ago. And I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. I'll just tell you the reaction. Is I sent it in for a festival along with another short play. And they called me back and they said, well, we got your, your entries and we're going to, we're going to perform. We're going to produce this one play, but this, this, this other play called since the kids are gone, we can't do that. And I said, excuse me. And she says, we, we can't do this. And I said, well, it's just dialogue. There's nothing in it. I know, but we don't do that. And, and, and it was so distasteful and I sent it in and they were disgusted by it. And I love that Robbie's the same way. He's like, well, this is what's on my mind. This is what I'm going to write about. <laughs> That's how it ends. And, and I, so I feel like I have a, a kindred spirit in him that here's a guy who does not care. It's just what I'm going to do and to hell with everything else. I, I make this kind of perfect, this private rule. That like you know, I, I can't recommend an album that our audience has no realistic way of ever hoping to acquire. 
because because it, it's not even like one of these things where you know it's out of print, but you could find it on YouTube easily. You can't find Fifty Voice Doberman on anywhere. You know, basically, I only have what I have is part of. Because if I had the whole thing and if it was easily acquired, if you could even just go to his website and buy the damn thing, this might make my top two at the end. It is so diverse. It is such a full display of everything that he can do and does well, uh, and also what's almost perplexing about it is how not tossed off it is. Yes, there are some sort of like, yes, I said, offensive, you know, you know comedy novelty songs like Common Law Cabot, right? But like, yeah, you know, Angela, you know, Arthur Kessler's Eyes. Arthur Kessler's Eyes is a, like a prog rock production. <laughs> it, is a, yeah. it is a heavily involved song. There must have been hours upon hours of thought and work that went into that, and they just release it on a flash drive to nobody. I just like it boggles my mind that that's not like the, the centerpiece of somebody's album somewhere. Or the, what you never were lonelier. Oh, what a wonderful little country pop song! Just like nowhere, just out of nowhere, and then boom, hey, like here, irreplaceable. Here, let's get some backing vocals. Like I don't know what if that's if that's folk or Motown or some weird combination of the two. It's a great fusion of like sounds that just don't normally get married in one another. So yeah, it's a shame. I should shut up about this album because you. The listener will never hear it outside of these very few clips that we are putting on the episode. But man, it's really good. And I guess, hey, Robbie, if you ever get around to this, you should put, put it back up. Put it back up. <laughs> put it on YouTube or something, man. I mean, it's not going to cost you any extra money. Do it. Uh, what, Anyways, what, I, th I think that points to the to the big question, which is why why do you make art? Do you make it for yourself and for the pleasure? Do you make it only yeah. so other people can hear it? I, I I'm I'm not sure that the answer is anything, but this is for me. Well, I mean, if he's going to let other people buy it, he should continue to let other people buy it. <laughs> Agreed. That's Agreed. The, that's Agreed. The thing. You don't have to give it away for free. No one is asking that, all right? But, I mean, it's just weird that you can't even get this stuff anymore. Scott, do you have any final thoughts before we move on? I, yeah, I guess kind of wrap things up here with the last few albums? Yeah, I have one final thought on this Doberman because it will lead us to something else, which is there's a song on Doberman called I'll Stay Married to You. And if I had to describe it musically, it is as if Robbie himself called the Fountains of Wayne hotline and asked <laughs> how to write a song. Uh, so, uh, so by way of explanation, this is uh, Fountains of Wayne hotline is a real song. And this one actually is findable. You can find it on YouTube or other places. And it is, uh, it is a, <laughs> it is so freaking good. By the way, really, we should mention, absolutely I, I, I'll forget this if I don't mention it here. And I think Mike probably knows this too. Mike, you know his Rap of the Dead? Uh, and, oh yeah, and, okay. I did it several years in a row. So at the end of the year, and I have one of these, and it is insane. It is insane how good it is. So he will take uh, he, he for a couple Everybody of years in a row, died. Yeah. famous celebrities who died, and like a little line about why they were famous, uh, and, and do this thing called Rap of the Dead. And if I, uh, I'll find it and I'll send you it, uh, Jeff, because I doubt you've heard it. Oh, I know, I know, I have. I oh, you have, have it. You, okay, I have your two thousand. Oh, that's right. Rap of the Dead. The two thousand seven Rap of the Dead. That's right, because I shared Jeff my entire folder worth of Robbie Folk stuff. It's just so, it's so genius. It's so genius. And so Fountains of Wine Hotline is, is kind of a throw-off sort of thing too, but it's a real song. And I think he originally started playing it at shows. The first time I heard it was, was at a show and he just, he would play it. And the, and this is way, you know, way before Adam Schlesinger's death and it would have been after Stacy's mom. So people knew who Fountains of Wayne were. And the, 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 the conceit is, is exactly what it says in the title, which is that there is a hotline you could call 
and have the guys, uh, not the guys from Fountains of Wayne, but guys like Fountains of Wayne, tell you how to write your song. Guys the, who are trained in the yes. Six Sigma professional <laughs> skill of writing Fountains of Wayne pop hooks. That's and the, what this is about. They'll tell These you about guys the, are pros, and they will they will listen. If your band is in the recording studio, and you know you've got two hours left on the clock, and the money has run out, and you need to cut that track to wax, they will tell you how to raise the excitement level halfway through. They'll tell you about the radical dynamic shift, and they'll tell you about, you know, a Beach Boy's uh, vocal pad. Uh, and of right. course, the, the brilliance of it is the song follows the advice. So you see it built, you know, piece by piece as it goes on. Uh, well, that night, is that telegraphed, or is that just gratuitous coloration? Um, a bit of both, actually. Oh, okay. Well, let's hit the bridge. I'll tell you what you do. No new chords introduced. Okay. Get a split bar of four in there and push the one. Mm -hmm. And then we'll slather the holy hell out of the thing with a semi-ironic Beach Boys vocal pad. And then an asymmetrical backhand. There's your bridge. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, isn't that uh, kind of a lot of information to put it in with you? <sighs> Sir... I've been on this hotline for 15 years. You're going to have to trust me on okay, this one. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. I'll give it a try. Thank you. You got it, Chief. You will not regret seeking out Fountains of Wayne hotline and having a great the call laugh. back that kills me because they call back. They call first of all. They take your advice. Fantastic That's right. advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, song, the song just takes off. It takes into the air. And then they have to call back. It's like, we need Maybe to more help? wrap more this help? up. And he's like, listen, I was like, I talked to Gerald. He's like, well, my name's Bill. There are seven Geralds here. You're talking to Bill now. Or something like that. And then he gives, like, perfect advice on how to end the song. Too. Oh, and what's perfect is he says, he says, well, I just came out of, like, a like a minor into a major. He goes, oh, that Gerald. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Gerald, oh, he's so predictable with his yeah. tricks. <laughs> so he always does the minor to major. Oh. You'll hear a bit of it here, but you know, to get the full effect, tra track down the full song, Fountains of Wayne Hotline. All right, so I guess you know we, we should uh, certainly talk about what some of these songs ended up being reused for. Uh, I'll trade you money for wine. Uh, at least in the, uh, there may even be more, but of uh, the stuff that Mike sent me, I know that uh, that's where I'm from, and I'll trade you money for wine. We're both originally on this Doberman set, but then he reused them for Gone Away Backward, which, uh, again, is just another amazingly – this one is more consistent. But, again, this one feels like he, he, he's actually, like, tried to sort of sand away and, and shape and sculpt things into an album, a thematic album. And I have uh, – you know, I guess I wouldn't even call it criticism, but I think it's very weird that my single favorite so song on this is actually purely instrumental. Well, we've talked numerous times about how good those instrumentals are. I think... Um, it's not because I'm criticizing the songs right. themselves. The songs here are excellent. 
including that 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 first song, "I'll Trade You Money for Wine," might be my favorite of like the actual like lyrical songs. I've seen your towns from a long black Lincoln boys back when copper was king. Ten years I've stood on the same old corner, boys. I never won for a thing. Pockets of change don't drive my worry down. Diamonds don't make me shine. It's a short life and a long time underground. I won't trade your money for wine. But man, Snake Chapman's too. I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll talk about it later. Uh, I think this is among his best works. I really love Gone Away Backwards more than I love the next album, which is Upland Stories, which actually got the Grammy nomination. But I think I think Gone Away Backwards is um, just another peak in his career. This is uh, this is not country. It's f- more folk and bluegrass, yeah. and there's no drums. I mean, it's all. Um, it's all just these guys. And by the way, I have to mention uh, uh, Robbie Gerso is a guy who's played with Robbie throughout his career. And if you ever get a chance to see, because sometimes they'll tour as a duo, go go watch them. Oh my, the, the, the interplay between the two of them on, on guitar, and it's featured a lot on Gone Away Backwards, is just so, so fun, so good. And so Gone Away Backwards is a lot about the interplay you know, between these various stringed instruments. Uh, that dobro we talked about that Jeff had standing by uh, is here on Gone Away Backwards, and a whole lot of banjo and mandolin and fiddle, and it's it's all acoustic. And again, there's no drums. And the, the neat thing about Gone Away Backwards is it takes you, you know, it drags you back musically, you know, theoretically, into an older time when those would be the instruments used on a lot of this sort of folk bluegrass music. And thematically, it splits the difference. I shouldn't say it splits the difference. It just lives in both places. Thematically, it, it is mainly about uh, hard times, right? And how the little towns are falling apart or the differences between these, these you know, rust belt towns that are fading away and the suburbs. And is one better than the other? And if you're a small town person, can you find joy in the big town or will you always wish to be back where you were born? Um, and it's so it's very present in that way too lyrically, and that's really what I love about it too. There are so many really outstanding songs here. Uh, you know, where I fell uh, is is again the, one of these towns that are falling apart. This, this depressed area. Uh, the guy works at a at a restaurant slinging hash for people who get off the highway exit. Uh, the river's polluted. The stores are empty, and yet it's set to this beautiful melody. And, and at the end, the lyric is. Uh, so I dwell where I fell. And I think that's so deliberate, right? It's not so I live where I fell, right? Because what is what is life? What is living here? I just I just dwell here. Do I do I love it? Is it great? Yeah, it's it's where I am. It's, it's I exist. where I function. I just I did I dwell here. And it's the same sad crew of Delilah shouting over the redneck band. Game score, tea party, world war, I don't give a good goddamn. That's me crossing the courthouse lawn about midnight Tripping at the curbside Where I fell Might look like hell From a jet airplane or the top of some big hotel 
But I'd have chose a place more fine The choice was never mine And so I dwell Where I fell I just dwell Where I fell Long I Ride, The Futility of Life, Long I Ride for the Little I Gain. Yet the music is so fun, it reminds, I think, the listener of the little pleasures that come along with sort of working 9 to 5, 8 to 5, every day, working for the weekend. You have to find these little things that make you happy, like music, like the music that these semi-depressing lyrics are set to. That's Where I'm From is one of the, is probably, you know, the, the main uh, the main thing here, the, 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 the cornerstone here of the album, um, the guy who's now living in the suburbs and hates it, and he wants his childhood simplicity and getting back to the place where he was born and where his dad is, and it's just this slow burn, six-minute song till it gets to the very last chorus and really, really takes off. Um, I, I want to leave some things for Mike to talk about, too, but I, I don't know about you, Mike, as a, as a fan. I, I think Gone Away Backwards is just about as good as anything else he's ever done. White collar necktie That's where I've come Half naked in the moonshine That's where I'm If you've ever heard Hank Williams sing Well, you know the whole blessed thing Cause that's where I'm from Where time passes slower That's where I'm from Where it's yes, ma'am, no, sir You can't tell I'm It absolutely is, and where I fell, and I'll trade you money for wine. Those are the those are the two best songs on a record, filled with great songs. Uh, Long I ride. That's where I'm from. I mean, it's 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 amazing, and I don't have anything to add to what you said except my endorsement of it. They're <laughs> wonderful. And Jeff, you wanted to talk about the instrumentals here. Jenny Jenny Scheinman is on fiddle through the album, and she shines on what I think is your favorite song on this album. Yeah, I mean it's not even it's it's not even just the fiddle. It's everything. It's it, I guess in particular folks' acoustic guitar as well. I'm talking about Snake Chapman's tune. I, I don't know who Snake is. He sounds like he he must have been an interesting guy from the name alone. Um, it, it, to me, it's just an evocative sounding name uh, of somebody and who presumably is either old and and has faded away or didn't come to a happy end because it seems like such a mournful tune, such a beautifully mournful uh, instrumental. And there's this this weird, again, the, the his ideas of instrumental combinations. Who would have ever thought that, you know, combining fiddle with like this rumbling sort of feedbacky acoustic guitar underneath would be like, you know, a, a sound. 
an alchemy that works. As I said earlier, it's you know, like two great flavors that you think would taste terrible together, but instead actually work really well. And that to me is that impulse is, is the art rock impulse, the analytical impulse within folks and this music. Just, just think to myself, well, so, you know, these things are not traditionally supposed to go together yet. What would happen if we did? Hey, you know what? You could do a lot with this. And sometimes you could do more than any words can say. song is infinitely more effective for being a purely instrumental track than it would have ever been if you had tried to put something on top of it. It says everything it needs to say just with the combination of those two instruments grinding against one another. Rose of the Summer is a great song. When you get to the bottom, feels to me like a classic, real classic Robbie song. Not quite getting back to country love song songs sound, but close in, in the way that song is constructed. Uh, wonderful, wonderful lyrics. Uh, so, I, I mean, I saw him play some, some shows in support of this. The songs are fantastic live. I, I, I can't say enough about Gone Away Backwards. But that brings us to his most recent solo album, a uh, thing called Upland Stories, 2016. Are you, so, are you ready for him to become respectable, Grammy-nominated <laughs> Grammy artist, Robbie Folks? I don't know. Um, I and, don't know. And that doesn't sound right. The, the weird thing is, well, I, I like Upland Stories. I don't think it's near as good as Gone Away Backward, no, which, I, is, I, I agree. which is you know, uh, musically close, although there are drums and there are some, some other things on Upland Stories that weren't on Gone Away Backward. Um, and, and these are... These, these these are stories. These songs are stories told. A red-tailed hawk sat watchful at the faded edge of day. The phone poles and the pines rose from the scoured clay. The sun was slipping toward the gulf in its own good time. And you would not think of death if you drove on past the signs. The old men at the roadhouse weren't too polite to stare Where we'd come from wasn't home, and we were far from even there The camera around my neck drew suspicious eyes to me But we were not there to talk, we were only there to see When their faces had said nothing was that I stepped outside And in the instant I knew I would not forget the sight Alabama at night Alabama at night And uh, he is he is mic'd very close and so it is if he is just talking to us he is just telling us 
these stories. Uh, this is almost what I would say, and I, I don't know if it's going to quite fit, but this is like a real Americana album, not just in the music, but also in the messages and, and sort of the snapshots of, of, of this life around the country. It just really feels Americana. I mentioned there were a couple of songs that I thought were very Paul Simon-esque late in his career. They're both here, and they're both back-to-back. One called A Miracle, and then yeah, Sweet. and then Sweetest Sweet, Sweetest comes, Sweet yeah. comes. Yeah, it's just absolute mid-'70s Paul Simon. Uh, you know, Sweetest Sweet Comes is one of the most earnest things he's written. There's no twist. It is just sort of basking in this wonderful love. Try not to wonder where I'd be without you. I just glide along thanking each and every lucky star. Said you came to me, I'm all done searching. Cause I know nothing could be sweeter And that in itself is a twist, I suppose, because you always think something's going to happen. Right, yeah, that, that's it, the twist. But the it's twist not. is that he's playing it straight. Right, right. He's, he's playing it straight. Alabama at Night is the song, too, that was nominated for a Grammy, the one that leads off this this album. Mike, what do you think about Upland Stories? I like it a lot. I can tell you that a couple of the songs here, Alabama at Night and Baby Rocker Dolly, were actually written uh, with a uh, with a musical in mind. Hmm. Uh <laughs> The, he, uh, there was a uh, there's a, 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 a story uh, a, a life magazine photographer and a black man touring the south in the late 50s early 60s uh, for a project and uh, that it, 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 it yields a larger story and that was something he was working on at the time with another artist uh, it didn't it didn't come to fruition but that's some of where upland stories began was as a larger project I can actually hear it. I can. I, I can hear. I can almost even see it, like staged mm-hmm. for "Baby Rocks" or "Dolly." Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Th- there's another hey. song. Another song here that I think again handed off to Tim McGraw. Someone it would just knock the door off the charts, and that's a song called "Needed," Needed which yeah. I, I think. And I, I don't know how much you know, Mike, but it seems semi-autobiographical to me. I know that Robbie had his son very young, and this song is actually about having a daughter at a very young age and how. Uh, uh, when you're really needed, some rise to meet it. Some of us run, right? Where are you when you you are really called upon to be someone, to be responsible? Uh, and the song's about the guy who uh, at first did not want to be responsible. He says outright, didn't want to keep it, but then steps up and is there, right, as a dad. He's telling that, his daughter that, about that it. Lyric, that lyric is my favorite lyric on the album, and yet I don't like the music as much as I want to. You're right, absolutely right. How you give that to Tim McGraw, and yeah. then there's a bunch of weepy pedal steels right. and in at, the at background, the end, can... and all the women are crying at the end of the show. Because you, right? you even get the advice at the end, where he's telling his daughter, giving, giving his daughter advice at the very end. She's now 18 years old, so that's just one that I think uh, stands out here, too. Needed Something that needed Pointed straight at my freedom 
like a loaded gun needed when you really need it sunrise to meet it and some of us run Life goes on, old wounds mostly mend When your mom and I were married Such better days began when you I mean, and, and I guess, is this, I guess, theoretically where we end? We don't, well, we, we have we have 16, we have a street legal. <laughs> and then he did another another one of the uh, the Doberman releases. This is the one I have not heard. Yeah. I have to confess. I have not heard. This one, by the way, is still available, so I have no excuse. I should have <laughs> plunked down $35. Sorry, Robbie. But, you know, you know, you know things come up. You know, I've got a baby. You know, the kids, they cost money. Um, but what we're left with is an artist who i think at this point especially given the way the music industry has changed and the way he's been pretty comfortable surfing these things and living with and adjusting to them like i don't know if he even feels that ever the need to ever release an album again like he feels like he's just happy releasing like oh yeah well here here's these 17 songs that i've just been working on recently or you know maybe he'll boil it down like this make a play for Grammy relevance. But, of course, getting a Grammy nomination these days, you know, it just ain't what it used yeah. to be. You know, it just it, it ain't like getting one. And it ain't like, uh, you know, when Michael Jackson literally created Thriller because he was angry about Off the Wall only getting <laughs> one Grammy nomination. Yeah. People do not react to being snubbed by the Grammys in such a way <laughs> except, anymore. Except The weekend, right? The weekend pulled his name out, said, don't ever consider me because he didn't get a nomination for something. So The weekend cares. <laughs> He's um, the one guy. He's the one guy left who cares. I, I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned two things very quickly, and, and I don't know if Mike has thoughts, and if not, we can sort of uh, tie a bow yeah. on this. But we should mention two things. One is that Michael Jackson tribute album is out and is released. It's called Happy. It came out in twenty oh nine, I think. It, it was eight years delayed due to you know various reasons and allegations, and no reason to put it out in the midst of all that. And I think it's okay. I actually have to. I have to laugh by that. I was like, "What do they think? It wouldn't sell." You mean like right. like all the rest of Robbie Fulton? Right, right. No, it's totally non-commercial now. You can't put it out. Yeah, um, this is going to ruin your name of the playlists. There's a there's a version of Billie Jean which is great that I heard him play live. You know, years before it ended up on. It's just, it just it gets at all the dark, smoky, paranoid things that are present that Michael sort of doesn't yeah. highlight, and it's just wonderful. Um, the other one that I will point out as just being a brilliant arrangement is his version of Man in the Mirror. Uh, I, I think pulls out every last best thing about that song. I've been victim of a selfish kind of love. It's time that I realize there are girls with no home, not a nickel alone. Could it be really me? Cause they got no place to be That's why I'm starting with me I'm starting with the man in 
then the other thing to mention is the album that came out just a couple of years ago uh, called Wild 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 with uh, the sister of Jerry Lee Lewis uh, is is uh, is is the uh, is the singer on a number of these songs and Robbie wrote a, a bunch of the songs. There's one called I Just Lived a Country Song, which is exactly what you think it is. It's very good. <laughs> Um, but it, you know, it's not a, it's not a pure Robbie album. He's not, uh, he's not singing everything. He, he didn't write everything, but it is something uh, to note. And maybe the fact that that album did come out is an indication that, uh, we might see another album in the future. You have any thoughts on those two, Mike? The, uh, the, the, the album with Linda Gale Lewis is a lot of fun. It, it feels like something that was just a, a, a fun project. Yes. I mean, yeah. it's, it, the care that he puts in everything comes through at every level. But it doesn't feel like he's trying to make an artistic statement. It's like, this would be fun to play. Let's play together. And that's how it feels. Yep. Yep. I, I agree. Yep. It, I, it's like, it's just candy. It's like cotton candy. It, yeah, it, that's you exactly. Hear it once, that's it's good, very good nice. Uh, but I'm not sure it's it sort of is a, is a as you said, as, a, as an artistic statement of any of any kind. But it's fun. How, it's how fun. is it? How is it, by the way? I just have to point out that, you know, Jerry Lee, or rather the Elvis Presley, you know, Buddy Holly, you know, all of the greats from the 50s are dead, and yet both Jerry Lee and his sister are still alive and <laughs> kicking. All of that sin, all of that, that, that bad living, and yet there they are, 87 years old. And still going. I love still it. going. I know. All right. Have we got to that point of the program? I think we have. I believe we have. It is time to bid farewell, but before we do so, Scott. We give our listeners the two albums from Robbie Folks that you should own, and I, my goodness, have no idea how I will pick these five songs that you absolutely must hear from all of Robbie Folks's career. We turn to our guest, Mike Long, who teaches writing at Georgetown and also writes things for other people. He's a speechwriter, too. Mike, your two albums and the five songs that you recommend for people to hear. I can pull anything out at random and be perfectly happy. Here are the, the ones I've pulled out. Couples in Trouble is the album. Uh, the other album is Revenge of the Doberman, which Jeff points out we cannot secure, but, but uh, find someone and they will help you. You you want this. It's worth the trouble. Five tracks. She took a lot of pills and died. That's a great place to start if you've never heard this guy. Little Brother, Arthur Kessler's Eyes, two songs you'll have trouble finding. Carolina Holes Like Crazy, I'll Trade You Money for Wine, and then a bonus cut, Charles Thomas Samuels. Hmm. So hope your pencil is flying. Those are my <laughs> tracks. Uh, all right, my two albums, and it really comes down to three for me. Uh, I, I can't leave South Mouth off. I, I, I really do think it still might be his best. Uh, really, every song is just, just pristinely crafted and lyrically outstanding. South Mouth is there, and uh, has pro it probably is Couples in Trouble. Um, that that's just an outstanding one, and and though it is self released, it is available in in you know places you find music, so you should be able to find Couples in Trouble. Those are the two, and then Gone Away Backward would be my third. But South Mouth and Couples in Trouble. Trying to get this down to five songs and to try to give some sort of overview, or uh, it's impossible. So uh, the buck starts here from Couples in Trouble. That's a great introduction uh, to Ravi, I think. Uh, from South Mouth, I, I, I think one of his best pop moves, man, I Push Right Over is such a fantastically sweet song. Just a great melody. Um, let's say... I, I let's say Brenda's new stepfather from Couples in Trouble. I, I think that's as, as hard as it is to listen to. Jeff said one time and that's it. But man, that one time to hear the way that everything is put together so brilliantly. 
put that on the list. Uh, Georgia Hard, the title track from Georgia Hard. That's a great, great slice of country. And from uh, Gone Away Backward, I'll tell you, that's where I'm from is one that really shows what he was trying to get at on that album. And I am going to do a plus one. I never do this. Jeff does this all the time. I never do a plus one. So plus one, the sixth song, it's a Little cover. Little. It's a cover. I think you just absolutely positively have to hear him interpret and cover Bury the Bottle With Me from 13 Hillbilly Giants. Oh, my goodness, do I love that song. Jeff, over to you. Okay, well, I would actually choose 13 Hillbilly, 13 Hillbilly Giants as one of the two albums. Uh, on my top two. The other one is Couples in Trouble. And he's such a difficult guy to choose. I would have chosen that Doberman release if I could, but it's just, as I said, <laughs> can't recommend it to you because you can't get it. It's so good. It's like it's like comically stupid how it's a, he, he puts some of his best music and places it somewhere that nobody can find unless you were there already as a hardcore fan. But uh, you know the rest of his albums, they're so all over the map that you know, those are the ones that I think are representative because Hillbilly Giants isn't original. It's just him doing cover tunes. But the, the thought and the care that goes into the selection of those songs and the performances, the very sympathetic performances, it's perfect. And as Scott said, bury the bottle with me. That'll rip your guts out. That's such a great way to end it. Uh, for my five songs, I guess I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to skip ahead actually. I'm going to go to Southmouth and I'm going to say I told her lies. Yes, it's it's him in his like sort of funny mocking joke song mode, which is his least successful mode. It's probably the only time where I think he kind of goes over over the line a little bit sometimes, and I'm like, eh, that was tacky. And I'm usually not the kind of guy who's going to accuse people of being tacky, but I told her lies is a perfect song from one of his least loved albums, uh, uh, Let's Kill Saturday Night. I think Pretty Little Poison is an amazing song. He's talking I'm clearly about heroin injection, um, but the duet. It's got a very Exine Cervenka thing going on. Uh, when I think Exine mm. Cervenka, I'm thinking of Rhett Miller and Exine Cervenka duetting on Four Leaf Clover at the end of uh, uh, Too Far to Care. Yeah. And then I get a similar vibe. On a much fun, It's not quite as furious, but it's just as despairing on Pretty Little Poison. And then I'd say third would be Roots Rock Weirdos uh, from the very best of Robbie Folks, which is not the best of at all, but it's actually close to being the best of because this is one of his best songs. And it's one for all of us, you know, all those fans that he claims to hate because we have analyzed, categorized, um, and timed out every single one of his live performances. <laughs> our bootleg collections are complete. We know his outtakes. And we have a question about that one time, what alternate he, he alternate tuning he used on that third outtake version of that one song from his second album's recording sessions. That's that song. The Grip of Our Love from Couples in Trouble. It's right near the end of the album. It's the penultimate song of the album. And I think that's exactly where it needs to be because you think that this album is already laid out all of the big blows that it's going to deal you and you think you've kind of like okay you've taken its measure and then that song hits and it is one of the probably the most major statements that he's recorded in his career i i he listened to me say that and think what i threw that off that was a that was a toss off recorded in the last five minutes uh no i think it's a magnificent song and i'm gonna end it by again infuriatingly including one of those impossible to find ones which is arthur kessler's eyes mike already mentioned it so i feel okay doing this it is a great song and it is the farthest thing from country music that you're ever going to hear it's probably more in common with slint than it does with <laughs> country music but it's a great song and i recommend it to everyone 28 23rd next stop union i've got a woman that's hardly a human just a bit of startup Brightest when it's darkest Love spins the planets And I'm Aristarchus Go away Go, go away My body goes I 
But again, when you're talking about this guy, I found that yes, you start with that frame, you start with the country frame, but it is only a frame. And boy, the paint, the colors just run all around the edges to the point where it just just is an ocean, an ocean of colors running around this frame because he cannot be kept into any boundaries or in any box. He is a wildly diverse artist, and it's been a real pleasure discovering him. There we go. The Political Beats look at the music and career of Robbie Folks. We thank our guest, Mike Long, who wrote the sort of best-selling book, The Molecule of More, teaches writing at Georgetown University and writes things for other people to put their name on or their voice to. Find him on uh, Twitter at MikeWrites. Mike, I am so thankful we found you and that we could do this show on Robbie Folks. Well, once again, you know, the, the key to this whole community is a man named John J. Miller. So uh, <laughs> who knows everybody about everything? Yeah. He brought us together. Thank goodness. Our uh, two-time past guest on this program. Thanks to Mike. Uh, Jeff, uh, this was my re- revenge for, for Kate Bush, right? For you throwing <laughs> someone I, at me. I, I enjoyed never... this. There's no revenge. Oh, I know. I know. But just sort of throwing an entire catalog of, uh, of an artist right. someone who has not been unfamiliar completely. Well, That's what be, at least here, but I'm glad you, you liked it. You didn't inflict anything like the dreaming on me, where I was unfortunately <laughs> listening to like an angry woman shrieking for like 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, find, I love that album. <laughs> find Jeff on Twitter at Esoteric CD. My name is Scott Bertram. I'm on Twitter at Scott Bertram. Don't forget patreon.com slash political beats to help us out, support the show, keep it ad free, entry level, mid level, upper level, best friend, early access. Higher audio quality, these monthly exclusive content shows, which are outstanding. You want to hear them. Patreon.com slash Political Beats. We come to the part of the program where we thank some of our supporters individually for jumping on board and being a Patreon supporter. Ian Meekum, Kevin Abbott, Mike, Joey Diener, Travis Witt, Gary Asselin, Mark H., Tim Ross, Jim Amato, Alex Beyer, Gene Rooney, Kurt Catan, and Jesse Berg, all of you and the rest of you who support us at patreon.com slash political beats. Thank you so much for doing what you do to allow us to do what we do. Subscribe to our feeds too. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in, go right to nationalreview.com, click on podcasts, find us on Facebook, we're on Twitter too. Join the conversation at political underscore beats. This has been a presentation of National Review. This is Political Beats. Political Beats.